Look at your city, town, or its people the same way ever again. Stained by Blood, a murder investigation based upon a true story by private investigator Douglas J. Hagman. Using the character Mark Stiles, Hagman takes you on a journey behind the scenes where the homicide becomes a secondary to an underworld of satanic ritual abuse, child abduction, and even mind-controlled experimentation. A world dismissed as conspiracy by those who want to keep its secrets hidden, exposing the dangers, denials, and deceptions. For five years, a brutal killer remained on the loose, free to kill again. As Mark struggles to navigate the maze of bizarre twists and untangle a web of deeply hidden secrets kept by some of the most powerful and influential people in his community and beyond. You may never look at your city, town, or its people the same way ever again. Stained by Blood. Order your copy of this engaging novel today at HagmanandHagman.com and click on the link. Stained by Blood. Gentlemen of the jury, the prosecution is not going to get that man today. No, because I'm going to get him. Welcome to this episode of the Hagman and Hagman Report, where we're coming to you live from our radio and television studios located in beautiful northwest Pennsylvania. Folks, uh, we broadcast live every weeknight, that's Monday through Friday from 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern Time, right here on the Global Star Radio Network. Do we have, I mean, we have audio, do, uh, hey, Eric, is, are we going out, or what do you think? All right. Folks, for simulcast also as well on the Global Star, or on Blog Talk uh, Radio, you can watch us live by archive on our YouTube channel. Just go to HagmanandHagman.com. Click on the, uh, right there in the box there, uh, for our live YouTube channel. Or just, uh, please folks, subscribe to our YouTube channel. Uh, just go to HagmanandHagman.com. Follow the links to subscribe. We really, really would appreciate you subscribing. It does help our visibility when you do that. So we, we appreciate everyone who has done that and, uh, everyone who will do that. So thank you so much. And, uh, don't forget, folks, we've got really two different websites, three different websites. The first, HagmanandHagman.com. That's where the show airs, and that's where the show, you can get all of the archives and such right there on HagmanandHagman.com. HagmanReport.com is full of news, information, articles, analysis, that that type of thing. And then my uh, personal website, uh, which is HomelandSecurityUS.com. That's going to be coming live this weekend. I've just got some finishing touches to do on that and of course I've been busy and I want to thank everyone I just really want to thank everyone for uh, making my book Stained by Blood uh, causing it, uh, sales on Amazon it's in the top 100 of its genre I want to thank everyone who has purchased it and thank everyone who has written an honest uh, review about it um, thank you so much for your time and uh, I hope you do, I hope you enjoyed it. I'm getting some good feedback on it, so thank you so much for that. And again, it's available on Amazon, and that's stained my blood. And thank you so much for that. That represents a big part of my life, and uh, represents a you well, know, it's, it's it's kind of a painful story. And, and yesterday, Joe had asked me some questions about it, and I just want to say, you know, it's um, it's a book that Christians 
it's 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 kind of a, a cross between a who done it is, is that a word who done it <laughs> and, and kind of like an introduction with Russ Dizdar's it's a phrase I guess uh, with Russ Dizdar's uh, getting into Russ Dizdar's area and that was my that represents my uh, initial um, exposure to that so thank you so much for to for everyone for helping me get through the get into the top 100 of its genre and I'd be higher actually if it wasn't for the Four dozen O.J. Simpson books out there. <laughs> Apparently, the popularity of the um, uh, miniseries about O.J. Simpson has brought out the writers, and uh, of course, well, it's okay. What is with that? What, yeah. what, what, well, what's I don't, the, I don't the, know the hype I mean, behind the the O.J. I, I mean, I understand the hype behind the Hitler bringing back Hitler's right, right. Um, you know, the, the Nazi regime and, and looking back into that and seeing. Taking you know, there's a new generation of people, but I mean, I remember watching OJ happen. I remember sitting with your dad, my grandpa. Right, right. As a Bills fan, he was not just. I, I mean, he he couldn't believe OJ Simpson was was he was watching what he was watching. Uh, I remember he he was very disappointed that day in OJ Simpson. That day, huh? Yeah, I, I'm not so sure what what the. Um the day the Bronco, he was on the, in the back of the Bronco. Yeah, yeah, but I'm not so sure what, what the what the actual, uh, what would you call it, the the, the voyeuristic uh, aspect of the O.J. Simpson case is now. It, I although in, I although, was in high school or middle school or high school when the verdict came out, right? And they brought a TV into our room to see the verdict. Really, mm-hmm. for that? Yep. I think I was at a Catholic school for the verdict of O.J. Yeah, Simpson. Yeah. Um, does anybody? Do you remember what year it was? I'll 1995, it I believe. So, but but okay. So, well, I'm just in wondering. School, yeah. yeah. Okay, so so take you I'll know. I've been to, in that Sacred Heart. Okay. Wow. I, just considering, why is it on now? Why is the big push about OJ on now? And I would contend, you know, reading from the um, uh, Tavistockian 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 notes. Man, I, I kind of think that perhaps there might be some issues there where they're trying to push um, this racial divide. I, that's just my thought. I, you know, I don't know. I, 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 or it could be just mere entertainment. Um, what people would consider entertainment with respect to bringing on the miniseries. Why now? That's I, I like to ask questions like that. I don't know, folks. Do you? Why now? Why this particular murder case? Why not? Well, why not bring up the Kennedy assassination? Or why not bring up the Sam Shepard case of the fifties? Or, or why not? Yeah, who? That's the case. The uh, the movie and the book, The Fugitive, the role of the movie and the uh, television series, The Fugitive, was uh, uh, based okay. off Harrison of, Ford. It, boy, <laughs> can you tell the younger generation, folks, Harrison Ford? Now I remember way back when, but anyway. Um, so, so all of these, uh, but I do believe that there's some predictive programming here or this attempt to, to, to expand the racial divide. That's my kind of, my, that's my thinking behind this. I could be totally wrong. It could be just nothing but, but, uh, entertainment and money behind it. I, I don't know. Um, folks were have a relaxed show tonight a little bit. Uh, Billy Crone was on last night, the posting of Billy Crone's YouTube, uh, for last night's show. That'll go up after tonight's, uh, broadcast, but, 
Uh, what a great show that was. Did you think about, folks, did you hear Billy Crohn's, that, that program from last night? Did you hear that? What a great show that oh, was. Oh, I missed it. You missed it. Well, yeah, you. <laughs> no, that was a fantastic show. I, I just, I, I, I thought it was great. We had a lot of, a lot of people saying, wow, what a great pastor, Pastor Billy Crone. And, uh, get a lifemedia.com. Yeah, let's get a lifemedia.com yeah. for his website. And send him for his newsletter. Check out his, yeah. uh, I mean, he's got a lot of DVDs that he sells, but he also has a lot of free, uh, the DVDs he puts on his website for free. And, you know, from uh, the RFID, Mark of the Beast DVD, to the attack of the drone, Skynet is coming, to one I was uh, watching yesterday um, about UFOs and the the demon the UFO deception. Yeah, and he's got a lot of his DVDs on his website. You can... You can look at them. You know, I mean, you can download them for nothing. It's uh, it's it's not a money thing. You know, it's it's pretty cool. It's, it's really great. <clears throat> so again, I just want to thank everyone one more time. I want to thank you so much. And it, it, if you um, if you have my book, and, and uh, again, this represents a big part of my life in terms of it, the direction it kind of the direction I took. Um, it kind of gives it, it really kind of lays out my life um, and draw me a line tell me how you liked it or didn't like it or thought it was way off base uh, I, I'd be more than happy to to, to hear or, or better yet just go on Amazon and, and uh, leave a review good, bad, indifferent, whatever doesn't matter it uh, it just, uh, just tell the truth yeah just tell the truth indeed you know t- uh, there's a lot of things going on right now and, and we need to take some time to take a look at the headlines and take a look at what's behind the headlines and tonight that's exactly what we're going to do the um, uh, how many believe that Hillary Clinton is going to be indicted for her crimes, for her email? The State Department halts top secret Hillary investigation. <laughs> I mean, the already proven felony act of <clears throat> having classified material uh, trans transferring oh, from man. private servers to um, you know from her home and her bathroom and, and a Colorado home. Using outside of governmental sources, um, the emails have come out once, twice, three times. Different uh, leaks and dumps, each dump becoming worse and more classified materials shown to be leaked with more. Um, what's the word I'm looking for? With more, uh, the guiltier each dump that comes, the guiltier she, she becomes. Right. Well, well, the, the State Department stopped their investigation, and and the reason they gave this, according to Spokeswoman Elizabeth Trudeau, she said Friday the department had paused the review because they did not want to interfere with an ongoing FBI investigation into mm-hmm. Clinton's use of a private server when she was America's top, you know, head. Diplomat, uh, if you will. Didn't they have the FBI interview her today, James Comey? Um, the FBI isn't. Pro- I'm not sure if it was today or if when is when that is scheduled. I, I have a feeling we're being misled on dates, times, and, and uh, methods and, and such with respect to the FBI. Now, having said all of that, what you know, where are where, where we stand here, and it, it kind of it, it makes me laugh a little bit. Politico is reporting that Huma Abedin. On her emails being out there, it's terrifying. Okay, and, she, and now Huma Abedin, for those people who don't know, is Clinton, Hillary Clinton's uh, 
Bodyguard, best friend, best friend, political advisor, the the wife of of uh, of, Wiener, uh, yeah, Wiener, Wiener, yeah. Well, I don't know how that works, but well, I just don't know. But Huma certainly is connected to the Muslim Brotherhood, or has connections to the Muslim Brotherhood. The degrees of separation there, but the State Department publicly released thousands of of emails, of Clinton's emails, even ones that said were said not to have existed or, or were destroyed on the server, but nonetheless. And a lot of them were to Huma, Huma Abedin. And, and um, this after, of course, it was discovered that she was you know, using a, a private email server, as you said, in her home. And, of course, Brian Pagliano was the uh, head of the, or was actually the, the, the caretaker, if you will, of the server. Brian Pagliano, and we we reported on this back in the summertime, and uh, well, anyway, uh, it's interesting because Huma Abedin um, hasn't, and I'm quoting here now from Politico. Uh, she said she hasn't freshly read any of her email exchanges with Hillary Clinton that have been released by the State Department, but she said, you know, it's terrifying to know that the email messages are out there. It's something, and, and I'm quoting now. It's something I can't really think about, but I can't, but but I can't imagine what's in those emails. Okay, well you sent them. To, 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 <laughs> you sent them to your boss, or maybe not. Maybe it was pillow talk. <laughs> uh, Were there because any wait, 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 that wait, Hillary wait, Clinton wait, wait, sent wait. to any dead people? Uh, no, but maybe some chickens. I'm chickens. No, but listen to this. I got to tell you this because I got to finish this. It's something I really can't think about, but I can't even imagine what's in those emails. Uh, this is by Huma, but I'm sure I would probably be more afraid. I've got no idea. I haven't read any of them. Who Abedin, who served as Clinton's uh, top aides in the Senate said in an interview with a podcast, and I love this title, okay? Call Your girl, Girlfriend. That's the title of the podcast. All right. Anyway, it, it just seems so appropriate. You can't make this stuff up. So the State Department released the, the emails from Clinton, including many messages to and from her aides after it was discovered she used a private email server. And, and so now Huma is saying, oh, oh, man, I can't go back and read those. No, I can't do that. All right. Um... It's, it's these articles and stories and, and investigative reports are are so shallow when it comes to what's going on here. Have you noticed that? Nobody's really reporting the deep muck that's in these emails. Now, what we're what we're planning on doing, so you don't have to, is tying up Eric to the chair, Eric the tech to the chair, and making him go through the emails because he is he's Eric the tech and he can do it. Uh, we downloaded the emails under a different server, under a different hard drive. And uh, so yeah, that's his weekend homework assignment. And, uh, of course, we're going we're gonna to report back to you next week. But anyway, uh, seriously, though, um, I really, 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 really believe that there's nothing going to be done to, to Hillary. That's my thought. And I believe that in the end that you're going to see the first woman president of the United States. I truly believe that to be the case at this point. That is presupposing, of course, that we have an election. Do you do you think that, Joe? Do you think? Do you I think? think we'll have an election. Yeah. Well, it, it's kind of like you know, it, it's are, are you going to have a, a 
You can have a horse race, for example, when the entire race is thrown anyway. It doesn't matter who wins. If if the the jockeys and the the outriders or outriggers or whatever they're called, outriders, I guess, and uh, you know all the uh, 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 bookies know the outcome ahead of time. The people in power, if they know the outcome ahead of time, does it really matter who's in in charge? No, I don't think so. And I do believe that uh, as well that we are going to see. Um, excuse me, that uh, we're going to see something happen with respect to the uh, Republican or the RNC this uh, this coming week or this, this, you know, so this coming summer. I would keep a close eye on news about a couple of the Republican primary candidates and sexual scandals. Right. The D.C. madam, who is oh, no longer with us. About oh, yes, of course. We mentioned this uh, briefly. I too, know, yesterday. Over, yeah, but, the, but, but see... Wednesday. Yeah, and I, I like the way the, the guy, this guy did this. Basically, if um, it's it's kind of a, a drop dead switch, if you will. What what this what the DC Madam's attorney did? Who's got possession of her little black book with all the numbers now, and such? I don't know if we went over who the DC Madam was on it. Let's do it. DC Madam was, <clears throat> excuse me, she was a uh, ran a call girl operation for highly inside the beltway yeah right. for for po- uh, politicians and and people inside Washington DC ended up being some very powerful people that were on her on her client list or on her cl- client list that's yeah, uh, I'm that's sorry that's pretty cool no that's uh, um, actually best appropriate so and folks if you want to watch her interview with Alex Jones where she talked about the evidence she had and that she did not plan on killing herself and what she planned on doing. She, she said in her words, I am going to expose these people. I'm going to bring down Washington. He went on to ask her, are you going to kill yourself? Do you have any plans of committing suicide? She said, and I'm paraphrasing, absolutely not. Meanwhile, no, no, meanwhile, see, this is what happened to her. Her mother found her hanging in the garage or shed a few yeah. days later, I, I, and I, I'm not making fun. You know, to those listening and not seeing, I just kind of hung myself with my tie. But, but isn't it interesting that that we have? And it's not surprising. It's just I, I just find it. It's um, not um, I find it sad that we we've got a death of a woman that um, you know days or or I don't even know how long after she said she's not going to kill herself. They. They find her dead and hanging in the in in, in the out, outside garage area, and, and, and you have to ask yourself, well, where's the follow-up investigation? Where's the investigation? So the attorney has the emails, or has the little black book, publishes it online, but it's limited. So, and it attaches basically a timer to it. And these are layman's terms, I because I'm I'm a layman when it comes to this stuff. So if he does not stop it, for example, if someone would take him out. And I'm not talking about on a date, but take them out in a larger sense. That email, that 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 black book would actually be made known to numerous journalists, and it would be sent all over the place. Smart. Right. So he's got to physically stop it. So that's, that's worrisome, though. I mean, why not just release it? Well, and, and you know, that's the other side of the coin. Why is no one asking that obvious question? Why, why not just release it and let the chips fall where they may? Because I certainly wouldn't expect to be covered by, um, I, I, hey, let, it, let, let just let them fall where they may. But 
My thinking, and folks, what's yours? My thinking is this. If they have, when I say they, I'm talking about anybody. If somebody's got uh, information that, that's extortable or can be used for extortion, blackmail, it's worth more to those people. See, once it's kind of like I a had bullet, the goods on Trump. It. Let's say Trump had some dirt on him, and I had the goods. Right, right. Let's just say that. I would okay. not go on TV, radio, write an uh, article, or say anything to the to the that I'm going. You know, you just going to do it in right? seven days, or in three yeah. days, or in two months, or on this date. Right. I'm going to release this evidence. Nor would I go to Donald Trump and say, "Hey." I got something that's worth money to you. Well, w- 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 why not? Because because I would just uh, release it. Uh, right. Uh, that's the, that, to me. I would that, be that's quiet, the, and I would just release it and let it happen. Let it go where it may. Yeah, well, okay. So that's that's where we're at with this. What is the what's the what's the end game plan here? I don't care what they're saying, uh, what anyone is saying. What's the uh, what's the game plan here, and who's involved? Well, I think we can probably uh, really. And, and if if if. This does not get released. Why not? What prevented the release? Was it an extortion payment, a blackmail payment, or was it a change of heart, or what was it? And I can guarantee it to you, it was not a change of heart. So there, ha- there has to be some equitable or some some exchange here for the not releasing it. And and I would, I, I do believe that that uh, information doesn't indict not just the Republicans, of course, but uh, all across the board, uh, all throughout the, the an- an- annals of D.C. Uh, I believe everyone involved in that inside the Beltway. I- any guy, and even some women, I'm sure. Now, Hillary Clinton, I don't know. But but he said it would shake up the election. So, okay, would it be Trump? Probably not. He's not he's geographically not, not necessarily in that area. And does that book go out elsewhere, or does that um, client list go out elsewhere? Certainly. I don't want to speculate, <laughs> but I think it would be us, be Cruz or one of the other people. I I heard this, and this is not confirmed. This is speculation. Okay. But the uh, person running against Trump in the primaries, who's, who's pretty much the only guy left with a chance, or I don't even know if he has a chance, but... The only person on the news is promoting instead of Trump in the Republican primaries is in that book. Huh. Not sure. Wait, 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 wait a second. Who are you saying is in that book? Just let me. Uh, you said his name just a minute. Okay, so uh, you, uh, yeah, I'm not I, saying that's true. Uh, no, nor am I. I. I would speculate that it'd be Cruz to make a difference. Anonymous apparently leaked the DC Madam's call log. Right. And his info's all in and out of there. But okay, my question is apparently, though, can be authenticated allegedly. by the, uh, you know. But can it be authenticated, of course, by the uh, by the holder of the book? Because right, it, right, and this custodial be, chain of evidence is important here. Yeah, um, you know, somebody could have put his name in there intentionally to to defraud him of his good name and reputation. Yeah, but uh, um, and, and that's one thing. One. If you're the attorney for the deceased, and, and, and I don't want to bore everyone, but bottom line is, if you're the attorney for the deceased, you can identify a piece of evidence, and that, that's that's the chain of custody, that's that's authenticating the evidence. So, in other words, when you're asked to testify under oath, is that, for example, is that you know, is that the gun that killed uh, Jane Doe? Uh, yeah, yes, it is. I can identify it, you know, as a, as a police officer or whatever through the markings. Well, that attorney would say, yes, that's the little black book, or that's the black book of names and numbers that I know to be involved with, uh, associated with uh, the DC madam and her name. Um, so the authentication 
by the source is important as opposed to what anonymous posts not saying it's not true it's just saying in terms of authenticating and verifying all right mike there's a question out there too uh, moving along here um we have to take a look and, and uh, maria canese had said this this week and talked about beltane talked about the reproductions of the 48 foot tall, tall arch that's in front of the temple of ball in syria now it's going to be put up in times square in new york city in uh, in london as well 13 uh, uh, days before uh, belgium they're going to be putting yep, up in, yep, in belgium yep 200 plus yep across the world well actually a thousand a thousand. One thousand. Now, wow. okay, that's not, when you say 200 plus, there's... I mean, yeah, as far as yeah, what I read, yes. Well, there's actually plans for a thousand. Now, and, and Maria Knies had spoken about this, the, the thousand points of light, which I think is important. Uh, um, but the... Uh, New York the and London. London, New York, uh, right. And it's 13 days prior to May 1st, which is Beltane. It's the cold holiday of Beltane. And if you haven't, if you don't know what Beltane is, it's, it's a very sacred time for the occultists, for the uh, uh, pagans, for the Satanists. Beltane kicks off uh, May. It's got a long and very rich history. World Net Daily has an article about this, uh, and I just want to jump in here. If I can. Sure. Temple of Ball going up mm-hmm. in New York and London. This is what they say. Visitors next month to Times Square in New York or uh, to less year Square in London are in for a culture shock as a life-size reproduction of the Temple of Baal. Needless to say, the exhibition of a symbol of paganism, child sacrifice, and ritual prostitution well known to readers of the Bible has raised concerns. There's nothing pagan about this. Paganism is not well, Satanism. Well, when I say pagan, you know... No, I'm reading from the article. Okay. They say, needless to say, the exhibition of a symbol of paganism. This is not paganism. Folks need to understand, uh, paganism is completely different from Luciferianism, which is completely different from Satanism. Which is and, completely different from Christianity. We know that, but right. I have to say it. And, and you know, people have, <laughs> the, the definitions and, of, and the terminology has changed through generation to generation, the century to century, from era to era. Um, so, you know, what the world what the real root word meaning of it is, the, uh, I don't the, know. Uh, front door alarm. Sorry about that. But the uh, Catholic Encyclopedia here, let's see what they say. Uh, the Catholic Encyclopedia says, Paganism in the broadest sense includes all religions other than the true one revealed by God. And in a narrow sense, all except Christianity, Judaism, and Muhammadism. The term is also used as the equivalent of polytheism. Is derived from the Latin pagus, uh, whence uh, pagani, whose name given to the country folk who remained a heathen after the cities had become Christian. Various forms of paganism are described in special articles, uh, Brahmanism, Buddhism, Mithraism, and present article, uh, and the present article deals only with certain aspects of paganism in general. Will be helpful in studying uh, details and judging this value. Now, that's the Catholic uh, insight. Encyclopedia or dictionary description of paganism. Um, others refer to it as a wide variety of traditions that emphasize reverence for nature and a revival in ancient polytheistic religious right. practices. And, and here is the and here's the rub with respect to Agenda 21 and Agenda 2030. The occult religions are are really uh, into 
Earth worship, Mother Earth, Gaia worship. Um, this is and, this yes. is all this all is interchangeable or uh, very closely related to what we're seeing here. And and that's more along the lines of, and this is going to sound weird, Satanism. Many people think Satanism is the, the belief in Satan. Well, it's more of an anti. Uh, not that uh, I mean I've seen I've done some studying on this. Luciferianism is the belief that Lucifer is the tr- one and true God. That is that is the real sat- what you would call satanic worship is called Luciferianism. That's correct. And and okay, by and, and I I suppose we probably should d- define readily define these terms. Okay, um, or or at least be careful with the terms because we can uh, paganism and Luciferianism they're not interchangeable. Um, there's different branches, much like there are different branches of, or different uh, uh, denominations of Christianity. There's there is all, there are also different branches of Luciferianism. All right, and, and none of them are, are good in, in that respect, obviously. But I just want to mention that uh, uh, you know every month of May, that's the occult holiday of Beltane, and it's a fire festival. It's celebrated on May first. With bonfires, maypoles, that's where we get the name maypoles, dancing, and sex. All right, because the Celts honored the fertility of gods with gifts and offerings, sometimes included, they included animal or human sacrifice. Cattle were driven through the smoke of the sexual balefires and blessed with health and fertility. For the coming year, at least what that's what they believed. Now, a boy, oh boy, oh boy, oh boy. This is an important topic, and again, I I, I don't want to, um, but I will. You know what? I will anyway. I really first again, I got my got my real look into this back in um, 1987, and I I. And, I, and, I, and for those who didn't hear it before, I did not understand what I was looking at. I didn't understand what a Baphomet was. I didn't understand what an Ankh was. An I didn't understand. Yeah, an Ankh. You know, the cross with a little. Like, oh, the circle. Like half. No, no, the cross with a little, like half of a. Uh, what would you call it? Like a C, letter C above it. Okay. I, I just. I never understood what those things were. And, and you know, I wouldn't expect people to, to at this point, to understand that either. But uh, you'd be surprised what uh, what you find out when you start setting out to do some research, and and I think uh, I think it's important for people to understand that that right now the Illuminati agenda, the Illuminati matrix, the unveiling and revelation of what we're seeing, the skull and bones and Illuminati right now, the all of this is being exposed because it's time. Yeah, you know, you know, the UN has in August of 2014. The 69th session, item 19H uh, of the agenda, they uh, released a document, A-69-322, Harmony with Nature. And what this is, it's an introduction to uh, a new belief in harmony with nature. And we can get into this because it's part of the uh, Agenda 21 and Agenda 23. Oh, we we really do need it. Yes, I think so. Go on. It talks about the purpose of the fourth interactive dialogue on harmony with nature, 
was to examine the evolution of science, governance, economics, and the light of new understandings of our interconnectedness with nature, which in turn have led to practices that further ethical relationships between humanity, earth, life, and harmony with nature. It goes on to state that the UN Conference on Sustainable Development held in Rio in 2012, the heads of state government adopted a document entitled The Future We Want. Now that's resolution 66-288, which is part of the 20, was the part of the post-2015 developmental agenda, which became the 2030 agenda. Anyway, it goes on to say that they recognize Earth as Mother Earth, and in order to achieve a just balance among the economy, and social and environmental needs of the present and future generations, it is necessary to promote harmony with nature. In doing so, they're going to create a universal declaration of human rights for Mother Earth. These initiatives will be based on sustainable development governance, including policy documents calling for new paradigm for living well in harmony with nature. They're going to develop rights of nature through legislation in a number of countries worldwide and use the term Mother Earth in a wider recognition. And this, just so people know, this is why um, the, the, this is why we're being pushed into container apartments, not we personally, but, you know, the, this fad. Let's start to think, let's lower our carbon footprint. Let's, uh, let's not, and, and this is why the people say, well, you know, for example, if, if Obama was concerned about his carbon footprint, wouldn't, wouldn't, he wouldn't be taking the vacations he's been, ta- been taking. Well, that's not the issue because it doesn't apply to the powers that be. No, 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 no. This applies to you and I where we are forced to, um, well, we're forced not to take a plane or, or not to travel. I mean, we're forced into these, these small container apartments and we are told that this is the fad. This is, or this is, you know, this is chic. This is the way to go. I shouldn't say fad. This is the way to go. And uh, that's that's what we're faced with because of the Earth. And I don't, you know, I don't buy, I don't believe that the Earth cannot handle the population. No, I, 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 I have a real, said I have a real problem with that. Every person in the world could fit in the the city of Jacksonville is the biggest city in the world per square mile. Everybody in in the world could fit in Jacksonville with their hands stretched out. According to a documentary I watched, well, and whether or not that itself is true, I don't know. But but even it doesn't matter. Say America, right? I mean, how much space does that leave us with? Yeah. When we fly, when we first flew to Montana and back, there's a lot of real estate down there, man. That's all there is. I mean, and I know a lot of it is farm, farm based, uh, and there's a lot of cultural, but grub land, yeah. At the same time, we see the the federal government uh, swooping in and privatizing lands for federal use right. in right. purposes for uh, taking resources from underneath those lands, also for the purpose of the UN's Agenda 21, Living in Harmony with Nature. They want to cordon off 50% of the world to pe- from people, they don't want people in, to be able to access fifty percent of our world. Well, because they want the environment to be rejuvenated. Now, God set a standard with there farming and agriculture. Yes, letting the land rest every 
seven years. Hence the name or the reference to Jubilee year. Exactly. Right? I mean, is that not where it comes from? Yes, it does. And today we see, though, this, you know, in uh, watching Pastor Billy Crone's UFO documentary yesterday, he talked about the lie of evolution and how it is aligned with the UFO slash demonic phenomenon and the lies that were being told. Um, from UFOs being able to shut down missiles to they're going to come here, aliens are going to come here and help us, uh, help mankind to, uh, you know, learn how to live right and justly off the land. Um, there is a lot here that is, I don't know, I guess questionable as to their intentions. Their agenda is that they will continue to push us into smaller spaces into closer city, you know, more intense, more packed cities. Right, right. At the same time, they're cutting off natural resources, selling water from the Great Lakes to China. Um, You know, there's one example. Uh, Jesse Ventura's show, Conspiracy Theory, did a, a, uh, I think... Saudi Arabia bought land here in the United States for ostensibly to, to, uh, and I don't know how many people saw this, Saudi Arabia bought 14,000 acres of land in the United States specifically to raise hay, to grow hay. Now, you've got to ask yourself, okay, does that even make sense? All right, does that make sense? Yeah, I don't. No. I, I don't think so. But ostensibly to, to to grow this hay and to ship it out back to Saudi Arabia. So, what's the purpose of the land purchase? That's a good question. And you know, we going back to this uh, harmony with nature document. They talk about as humans, we have a moral responsibility that they need a legislative system of earth-based law to mirror our expanding scientific and ethical awareness of our place on Earth. They want to adopt ordinances specifically recognized an enforceable right of natural communities and ecosystems to exist and flourish. They go on to say they want to expand or they want to extend rights to nature in the same way that rights have been extended to humankind. Rights of nature are becoming part of the international discussions on matters pertaining to environmental justice. They want to establish a constitution to the rights of nature that should be taken into account in an integral manner, including maintenance, recognition of its cycles, functions, evolutionary processes, and the right to restoration. They want to establish a world court that will uphold the the laws of the constitution of the world and charge those who are uh, found to be violators. The law on the rights of Mother Earth, they say, are going to grant her the following seven rights the right to life and to exist, the right not to have her cellular structure modified or genetically altered, the right to pure water, the right to clean air, the right to balance, the right to continue vital cycles and processes free from human alterations, and the right not to be polluted. So, but, but all of this, and, and this sounds, this may this to you sound incredibly because boring, because, oh my goodness, but but no, no, no listen, because there's some information here that will affect all of our lives and if if we don't pay attention to what's going on it's kind of like one of those things that's boring so you don't really pay attention to it and it slips right underneath your radar and uh, what does this have to do with anything kind of thing but no it has everything to do with everything that's going on today in this push for this agenda 2030 and the way that we 
are going to be living right. our lives. So well, my my question is the the okay, what they say is the constitution of of Mother Earth uh and the seven rights. One of the rights here Words is the things. structure or the right to not have the cellular structure modified or genetically altered. But what are they doing? <laughs> exactly. What are GMOs? And then beyond that, yeah. why are they not allowed to label genetically modified foods? Why is Monsanto the number one insecticide producer manipulating every single vegetation on Earth? The right to pure water. Right, right. Why are they fluoridating our water? Is it the water only to be pure for the earth and not for the humans on the earth? This is what the Bible says about worshiping the creation more than the creator. This is what the Bible says about being turned over to uh, a reprobate mind, uh, submitting themselves to ungodliness and thinking they're doing right, believing they're doing good when it's actually evil. When evil is good and good is evil. It's just unbelievable to me to see they are, we have half of the, the population of the world is under conditions that are basically uh, a day to day starvation or disease death ridden yep. culture. But what they want to do is focus their efforts on the environment and the, and the rights of the world. I bet part of the rights of the world that are not in here are what's on the Georgia Guidestones, which are to reduce humanity. Exactly, exactly. And not only yeah. this, this yeah. what they want to do is they go on to say that to resolve these issues in the 21st century with institutions and functions such as the legal system and legislative bodies, they want to do so a reform or intergovernmental system that will not only change the uh, societal actions needed toward sustainable development. They want to change the behavioral of individual, the behavior of individual citizens. Yeah. In order to achieve progress at an effective level for sustainable development for the Earth's well-being. Well, this goes back to the, the climate madness that we saw, climate gate and such. And uh, that's not over. Uh, no. No, um, Al Gore's movie, you know, Inconvenient Truth, and how many people still are, are uh, you know, adherent to that? And, and it, it, wow, um, and j- just, uh, I mean, j- just to, to refresh people's memory, I never watched it. And Inconvenient Truth, Al Gore's film and book. Uh, on the planetary emergency of global warming, what can be done about it? It, it purports to be this non-political, non-ideological <laughs> exposition of climate science and moral common sense. This from a presidential candidate, you know, yeah, vice president. Uh, this is just ridiculous. There were three, uh, actually, three different papers. We're going back into 2007. That uh, congressional working paper uh, titled "Al Gore's Science Fiction: A Skeptic Guide in the Inconvenient Truth." Uh, skeptics primer and Al Gore's inconvenient truth, and then some uh, convenient distortions. Uh, the on point, some convenient distortions. It provides a brief overview of the major flaws of Gore's writing. But you know, once more, we we look at the climate change as being um, uh, uh, not 
I mean, it, it's the tactic of the globalists. And right. the, the, this now the world, yes, and the, the Bible tells us that in the end days there will be changes in the earth. There right. will be more earthquakes. There will be signs in the heavens. Animals will die, disappear. Um, things will happen. Rivers will dry up. Droughts and famines will be throughout the land. Wars yeah. will will decimate areas that were you know in like Syria, uh, uh, the oldest inhabited city. In the world, Damascus, yeah. Damascus, yeah. Just like it says in Isaiah seventeen, behold, Damascus shall become a ruinous heap. We're seeing that today, and for these people, and this, the reason I bring up, brought up this uh, Harmony with Nature document from the UN, because it deals with two things that I wanted to talk on today. One is something I just mentioned, which is behavior modification in order to uh, make people. Um, in order to change people so that they adhere to the new constitution of Mother Earth. Basically, re-education for people for the sake of nature. Right. We see this in the stack and pack cities, the relocation, forced relocation into these stack and pack cities. And the yeah. second, which yeah. is they talk about, is that we have to have a collective consciousness. Right. Right. And this is the second point I want to talk about because the collective consciousness is part of what we talk about as the New Age religion. Alice Bailey wrote a book called The Reappearance of the Christ, and it is a ten-point plan of rebellion. And we'll start with just number ten today. Destroy the church concept, make them appear crazy and delusional. Add non-biblical ideas, mix paganism with their lifestyle, destroy them with everything in your power. Yep. Now, she's promoting this in a book where she talks about the worldly Christ coming. That there is going to be a man who comes on the stage who is our savior, the avatar, as Russ Dizdar would say, or as Alice Bailey would say. The coming one, the Christ. They dare not say Jesus. They just say Christ. And in this, they go on to state that throughout the ages, all throughout world cycles and in all countries, great points of tensions have occurred, which have been characteristics by a hopeful sense of expectancy. Some one is expected and his coming is anticipated. Always in the past, it has been the religious teachers of the period who foster the proclamation of expectancy, and the time has always been when out of one of chaos and difficulty. The coming of the Avatar, the advent of the coming one, in terms of today, the reappearance of the Christ, are keynotes of the prevalent expectancy. When the times are ripe, the invocation of the masses is enough, and the faith of those who know is keen enough, he will come, and he will come today, and will be no exception to this ancient rule or this universal law. For decades, the reappearance of the Christ, the Avatar, has been anticipated by the faithful in both hemispheres. Not only by the Christian faithful, but by those who look for the Maitreya, for the Buddha, as well as those who expect the Imam Mahdi. When they feel that they have exhausted all of their own resources and have come to an end of all their own innate possibilities, and that the problems and conditions confronting them are beyond their solving or ability to solve or handle, they are apt to look for a divine intermediary and for the mediator who will plead their cause with God and bring about a rescue. 
They look for a savior. This doctrine of mediators, of messiahs, of Christ, and of avatars can be found running like a golden thread through all the world faith and faiths and scriptures and relating these world scriptures to some central sort of emanation. They are found in rich abundance everywhere. Even every human soul um, is a relationship between man and God. Christ is believed by countless millions to act as the divine mediator between humanity and divinity. The whole system of spiritual revelation is based and has always been based on this doctrine of interdependence. Now it goes on to say that the coming one is an avatar with a peculiar capacity to transmit energy and divine power. He will be the Christ, but not the Christ that we well, as Christians yeah, and this is important for people to understand. Okay, in, in the belief systems of the people who are adherent to these different philosophies, uh, the, the the Hindus believe one, the the Muslims believe another, Christians believe Jesus, of course, which is the the most logical historically, and and I mean that's that's unquestionable and to suggest otherwise would be foolish given given at least the historical evidence and then we can argue this all day long i'm not going to well, argue no, with somebody the, with the you know what's important uh, here is they says the the coming world savior uh the christ will come at a time of crisis when the world is seeking a savior he will be their savior now he's coming as a man they say well, yes, but yes, go on. Now, obviously, for those Christians who know their God and their Bible, we know how Jesus returns. He already came as a man. Right, exactly. But the Antichrist will come as a man, and in, in my view, is walking the earth today, and will be possessed, I believe. Right? I mean, that's... The, oh, oh, yeah. I mean, not only is he coming, his hierarchy of uh, coming ones will be with him. As they say, the hierarchy of the Christ. This is part of the new world religion. It is apparent that it is only possible to indicate the broad general outlines of the new world religion. The expansion of human consciousness will take place as a result of the coming approach, which will enable humanity to grasp not only its relation to spiritual life, but to our planet the one in whom we live and more and have our being, but also give a glimpse of the relation of our planet to the circle of uh, to the circle of planetary lives moving with the orbit of the sun and still greater circle of spiritual influences. They go on to say that they're going to, uh, in this new world religion, will be the future, will prove with greater accuracy than any formulated theology ever expressed. They say religion is a name given to the invocative appeal of humanity and to evoke the evocative respo- response of the greater life that is to come. They say that this will be the fusion of faiths, that the concept of a world religion and the need for its emergence is widely desired and worked for. The workers in the field of religion will formulate a universal platform of the new world religion. It will work of loving synthesis it will emphasize unity and fellowship of the spirit it will channel and sense activities of the christ the world teacher the platform of the world religion will be built by many groups working under the inspiration of the christ christianity however has laid itself wide open to attack the masses of thinking people are aware of this unfortunately these thinking people are still 
a minority within the churches. Nevertheless, it is a thinking minority when it is the majority will spell the doom of churchianity and endorse the spread of the two true teachings of the Christ. The predestination of religious truth in the past has been blocked by the growth of this religious spirit. Today, the religious spirit is higher than ever, and theology has brought mankind to the very gates of despair. And that is why, see, that's not just doctrinal differences, but differences in, um, differences. Yeah. Did you hear, did you hear that, the way that was worded? This is how they're going to take us over. This is how they're going to, to, uh, this is how they're socially engineering us. And, you said and behind this is the Tavistockian model. You say something about about evidence and proof right. of there's two different things. the coming one and how he will prove he is the true Messiah or Christ. Well, they talk about this in here. They say without any shadow of a doubt, he will be able to prove he is the one that has been highly anticipated and waited for. Well, okay. The source of all great right. world religions, the philanthropist, the head of the spiritual hierarchy. Okay, and 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 how this all connects? Because people are saying, people may be saying, "Well, wait a minute, how does all this connect?" And who oh, gives it? A, who, who gives a darn? You know, we talk about Nazi Germany here. We talk about Tavistockian models. We talk about. You look at the headlines yep. today. Okay, just look look at the headlines, whether it be on Drudge or your favorite news story, news site. Now, I'm not talking about alternative sites. I'm talking about your your CBS and MSNBC, the corporate media. And what we're seeing here is the Freudian mass brainwashing. And this is compliments of the Tavistockian Institute, which is laying the groundwork for the social engineering, the, the mental engineering, the intellectual engineering, the religious Christian engineering. That's right. I said Christian. In other words, uh, uh, Christians are being pre- programmed through Freudian mass brainwashing. As much as it might surprise you, well, this goes back to Nazi Germany, when it, when um, uh, well, Nazi Germany really was an experiment. Some will say in Freudian mass psychology. What it means is that, that the Nazis shared with Freud, and Freud, the Nazis, they shared the same belief system that man as a sinful beast who is a sinful. Yeah, let me say that again. Man as a sinful, sinful beast who is allowed to exist under strictly imposed laws. Um. Um, that's what man is sinful able or sinful and existing within um, this this mire of sin <clears throat> excuse me but allowed to exist under strictly imposed laws man according to Freud as well as the Nazis man is not made in the image of the living God. Man has made God in his image for the purpose of easing the pain of his existence. And that... I really want you to think on that, that statement during the break, okay? Man is not made in the image of the living God. Man has made God in his image for the purpose of easing the pain of his existence. We're going to write back. This is the Global Star Radio Network. 
Look at your city, town, or its people the same way ever again. Stained by Blood, a murder investigation based upon a true story by private investigator Douglas J. Hagman. Using the character Mark Stiles, Hagman takes you on a journey behind the scenes where the homicide becomes a secondary to an underworld of satanic ritual abuse, child abduction, and even mind-controlled experimentation. A world dismissed as conspiracy by those who want to keep its secrets hidden, exposed the dangers, denials, and deceptions. For five years, a brutal killer remained on the loose, free to kill again. As Mark struggles to navigate the maze of bizarre twists and untangle a web of deeply hidden secrets kept by some of the most powerful and influential people in his community and beyond. You may never look at your city, town, or its people the same way ever again. Stained by Blood. Order your copy of this engaging novel today at HagmanandHagman.com and click on the link. Stained by Blood. Welcome back to this laid-back Friday edition of the Hagman Hagman Report. Um, here we are talking about the news items of interest and laying some groundwork, so some, some behind-the-scenes work uh, about the Freudian, Tavistockian, Nazi ideological uh, impact of, of doctrines that includes Agenda 2030. And, and yeah, you know this, right? I, you, I know you know this, but what is what we have to do is match the methods, playbooks, plans, schemes, plots by the Luciferian elite with the current act actions and activities and, and headlines. And if you go to HagmanReport.com, um, there's several selections laid out for you at HagmanReport.com that we're going to be talking about here shortly. Exorcism making a comeback. It's big, big news worldwide. You've got this war against the Washington elite. Or is it with Trump? You've got, of course, Trump at the center of rap music death threats. Have you seen the viral death video, death threat video? Of course, don't you dare in, in Facebook talk about Christianity. Don't you dare talk about, uh, oh, the evils of homosexuality, of sodomy. Don't you dare do that. Or don't you dare talk about the uh, abortion as being a crime against uh, against uh, the unborn or murder. But if you want to throw up a video that celebrates, virtually celebrates the or, or or advocates the violent death of Donald Trump, especially by children of color, young people of color. I'm sorry, folks. That's the news. That's the way it is. It's a viral rap video of black teens armed with weapons. Right, with songs, you know, that contain profam- profanity. Yeah, B-B-D-B-D, profanity-laced <laughs> uh, uh, lyrics uh, that include, you know, blankety blank Trump anthem is one of the names of the songs. Now, Infowars reported on this earlier, but uh, yeah, I mean, so, so this and everything else is connected to what we're. 
I'm talking about. And, and folks, we're being we're being social or we're being psychologically groomed for something to happen. I do believe um, this summer. And, we're, and if it doesn't, then Plan B is in action, and that's just to. Um, well, I believe that's to uh, create some other type of event diversion or some sort of something, some item that'll that'll take away the the threat of the non-establishment people. And I, do I believe Trump is non-establishment? Yeah, I, I kind of do. I kind of, I kind of, or is or, or, or is all this smoke and mirrors? Is this the dog and pony show? Is Trump controlled? I believe if he's not controlled now, certainly in, in the Oval Office, he will be, or a person will be. The result, of course, being if, if not controlled, the result would be a Kennedy-esque style episode, I believe. And then, you, so, so you might kick back and say, "So, what's the use? What's the use?" Well, it buys us time, and by exposing this madness, by exposing the lawlessness, it buys us time. It's by exposing the wiles of the enemy, it buys us time, and, and plus, we're doing what we're appointed to do. Expose the evils of, of of the evil doers, and that's what we're supposed to be doing. So, I'm gonna kick it back to Joe to wrap up the Agenda 21 mindset that's really laying the foundation for this 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 global savior. Notice everything is global. Notice everything. The Pope, global religion. Billy Crone talked about this last night. Global religion. That's what it's all about, and so they're softening us up for. Or psychologically conditioning us for that particular mindset. Yeah, through through behavior modification, <clears throat> um, through the green ad- agenda, uh, as Sheila Zelensky's book, yeah, green so well puts it, the, you know, to the UN's harmony with nature through their planetary initiative and the you know agenda twenty thirty. Um, anyway, we'll get into this more in other shows, but. Alice Bailey, anybody can download this book, The Reappearance of the Christ, free yes. on the Internet. Just search The Reappearance of the Christ, Do PDF. Read this. Because what this says, <clears throat> this is the new one-world religion that they are bringing in. And they are bringing in this new one-world religion uh, for all human beings everywhere, searching for a spiritual release and truth. But it is not an individual truth, they say or one person's interpretation of the truth that will win out. It is it's a the collective. coming it's, yeah. Antichrist, I'll say Antichrist where they say Christ, it is the coming time for the Antichrist. A man, a world teacher, will be coming. Uh, they say it is uh, humanity awaits the reappearance of the world teacher. Uh, uh, yeah. The head of the no, spiritual no. hierarchy known yeah. as the Christ in the West, Lord Maitreya in the East, the Imam Mahdi. In the Muslim community or in the Muslim uh, world, yep. They say this: the concept of a world religion is the fusion of faiths is now, and the fusion of faiths is now a field of discussion in the future world. All men of spiritual inclination and intention will keep the same holy days, spiritual resources, and a united, simultaneous spiritual invocation as well as a Christ consciousness on a universal platform. This new world religion will be built by emphasizing essential doctrine and the unity of fellowship of the Spirit. Mm-hmm. We'll get into this more on later shows as I continue to pour through uh, Alice Bailey and Hel- uh, Blavatsky's work. But what they say here is that the coming of the Christ will spell the doom of Christianity and those who endorse 
to spread the false teachings of this coming world savior. Because people, the remnant out there, you and me, will not accept this man as the savior. Well, we will be we, the example. We hope not. We right. will be the example. Those are the people who are here are the patience and faith of the saints, as it says in the book of Revelations. Who, Revelation. I say that a lot in the Revelation. Uh, who keep the, the, the word of, of the Lord and the testimony. And to those people who do not waver in the face of any threats, uh, as it says in the scriptures, fear not the man who can take your body, but those who can take your soul. But the man who can take your soul. Mm-hmm. And that is only uh, Jesus Christ that has the power to do that. So no matter how great <clears throat> or extraterrestrial, interdimensional this coming world Savior seems to be, as Jesus said, as lightning comes from the east to the west, so too shall be the coming, my coming. It will be an instant in the twinkling of an eye. It says in the scripture, when they say Christ is in the desert, don't go. When they say he's over here, do not go. Because they're going to do that. And it's going to be, like the Bible says, no man might buy or sell, whether he's rich or poor, free or slave, lest he has the mark of the beast. And this coming world savior is what the new world religion is paving the way for, what the interfaith movement, the ecumenicalism, the... Rick Warren type churches are opening the door for this Luciferian doctrine, and, and those people who are who are assailing Christians from within are are also making it easy. You know, it's it's just imagine being on a battlefield and and you're getting fragged from your own people from behind. The, the, this is taking place all the time, and, and Pastor Billy Crone talked about the secondary. Uh, secondary arguments and intellectual uh, dishonesty among Christians, or you know, the, this this obsession over over non essential salvation issues, uh, creating this deepening, widening rift between between Christians. This is all part of the plan. Yeah, because if we can't get along. Satan so. hasn't uh, attempted to uh, per- pervert the church, its doctrine, and its people since the beginning of time. That's right. He will continue to do so. Knowing that his time is short, in Revelation twelve eleven, and it says how they overcame them or yeah. him, and they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony, and they loved not their lives unto death. Therefore rejoice, ye heavens, that ye dwell in them. Woe to the inhabitants of the earth and of the sea, for the devil is come down to you having great wrath, because he knoweth that he hath a short time. Amen to that. All right. Let's get into yesterday. News. Yesterday, Joe. Yesterday was the 11th anniversary. Um, March 31st was the 11th year anniversary of Terry Schiavo. Okay. Oh, okay. Her brother uh, wrote an article for uh, uh, LifeNews.com. Now you might think this is oh, okay. 11 years. It's so 2000s. All right. It's so it's so long ago. It does seem like a long time. Well, ago. it does, but 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 here is what's important about this. Now, her death took two weeks. She it took her two weeks to die, nearly almost. And, and the and president, Coach Dave, was there. And the president was the one who issued the the ruling, right? To 
I know there was a family well, battle, a court uh, battle. <clears throat> but okay. the, the, it involved, at the end of the day, the president got involved. Well, uh, yeah, I'll just I'll walk you through this. At, at, at uh, 26 years of age, Terry Schiavo experienced some sort of a inexplicable event. She collapsed while at home. And she was Stroke alone. aneurysm, some kind of... Michael Schiavo. Uh, became her garden. You know, they, 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 no, they, they, they just can't explain it. Okay. Okay. After a short period of time, Michael lost interest in caring for his wife. Now that's interesting. Okay. Yeah, a husband who loves okay. his wife—that would not happen. All right. So, so Terry, she lost wasn't, interest. In yeah, caring? lost interest in caring for her. Okay. So this is Michael Schiavo, the, the, the husband of Terry Schiavo. So now Terry was not dying and didn't suffer from any life-threatening disease. She was just kind of in a coma. She was neither on machines, and she wasn't brain dead, which is she was just unresponsive. If you're not brain dead, and and yeah. if you're not on machines, uh, well, and yeah, you know what? L- l- let me walk back the statement I made. She was re- she was responsive, um, and alert, and interacted with friends and family, and st- and actually, she started to speak all before. Uh, well, all before the decision was made to. Um, and of course, her petition to starve her and dehydrate her to death. See, she was, although she was alert, interacted with friends and family, has been and was able to speak a tad. Um, she was not able to care for herself. Okay, she was, and and I was wrong when I said comatose. It was a, it was more of a, um, what was a brain injured uh, type of paralysis essentially. All right. Well. Her husband fictitiously, falsely portrayed Terry's situation as a right to die or end of life issue. This, according to LifeNews.com. All right. Anyway, after a number of years, saying, "Look, uh, I just really don't want to do this anymore. Uh, can we just stop feeding and hydrating her?" By the order, on the order of Judge George Greer, Florida, Terry was deprived of food and water. For 13 days, she died on March 31st, 31st, 2005, of dehydration. She she died of thirst, and she died of starvation. And, and for reasons that are a little bit difficult to explain or appreciate, Terry's case received international attention, uh, notwithstanding all the people and organizations who are working to prevent Terry from falling victim to those who are lovesick with her death or Terry was brutally killed. In other words, people took notice. Coach Dave went down there, was actually arrested, if I if I remember this correctly, from Coach Dave Dobmar for attempting to take her water. Mm-hmm. All right? So, he was. Okay, so it, here we had the President of the United States, the Pope, the Governor of Florida, celebrities, dozens of pro-life and disability rights organizations, millions of people worldwide, and yet some judge lets her issues the order to let her starve and die of thirst. The removal of the feeding tubes from Terry Schiavo had been occurring for years. Uh, or, I'm sorry, from the, uh, I'm sorry, not from Terry Schiavo, but those like Terry Schiavo has, have been occurring for years despite the awareness of that uh, Terry's case created the outrage it caused. Nothing much changed to stop this practice, this this barbaric practice. 
And today it's getting worse. So if you're if you're my age and you've got kids that don't like you, <laughs> or you think you're a hassle to deal with now, just wait because the law will allow them. I would never cut your Red Bull tube. Yeah, my Red Bull tube. Uh, my uh, no, my purple stick tube. Anyway, you, you see, there's a powerful lobby out there setting an agenda which is committed to changing healthcare, and this is something that we all need to look at because there's a there's an initiative to change the system so that bureaucrats rather than family members will decide when who what and really who and who's going to receive medical benefits and, and how and when and we're seeing this too in the ERs and if you if you notice this for example if, let's say you've got a pain issue i mean a chronic or not a chronic but an acute pain issue well, it could be a pancreatitis or a pancreatitis or whatever you call that. You know, or, or it doesn't matter. Whatever pain issue. Have you noticed that the bureaucrats are now talking to doctors and saying, "No, no, no, you can't. You can't be dispensing pain medication. Certainly, you can't be dispensing lots of pain medication. And if you do, we, the pain medication police, will come after you." Now, this is something that's near and dear to my heart. I've got a friend, and and folks, you've heard me tell the story before. I got a friend. Her name is Charlotte. And uh, she does not listen to this program. She's not. She is not ideologically on 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 board with us. But she's got rheumatoid arthritis. She's in, she's in a wheelchair. She looks kind of like a a female version of Stephen Hawking. And 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 I say that with love, okay, just to give you a visual of of this. But she's when I say that she's really twisted up with rheumatoid arthritis, and she's in constant twenty four seven pain. Now, the doctors, on orders of the FDA. And the uh, DEA, uh, more more accurately, the DEA, require her to be seen. She's bedridden or wheelchair-ridden, you know, whatever you want to call it. Require her to be seen every so often. And they, they've actually cut down her pain medication. And this woman isn't, she cannot move without having pain. I mean, this this woman's got more problems than you, you, you know what to do with. All right, so, and she's in constant 24-7 pain. But they've cut her pain medication. Have you noticed what's going on with pain medication? The FDA has, has is it the FDA or DEA? Is the FDA? All right. Um, this much I know. I can uh, pull this up here. The FDA has uh, changed some policies and rulemaking uh, <coughs> abilities to cut back on the amount of pain medication prescribed. Regardless, I mean, let's say you broke your arm and you had a bone sticking out of your arm. Um, you know, you'd think that you would be able to get something for the pain before you get surgery, and after the surgery right. have something for the pain for being cut open. You would well, think. here's what they have done. Um, they have limited the ability of doctors and have put an oversight, um, put doctors under a new type of oversight where they are held to a much higher uh, criticism of why they're prescribing well, painkillers uh, the way they it's are. It's not a criticism. I think or a much higher... Uh, uh, analysis, yeah. Yeah. And it's getting to... I mean, you know, we have the longest war in, in our history as a country, the war in Afghanistan. Uh, it's a war against drugs. It is the war of drugs for the right of the U.S. to <laughs> to create the... Uh, you know, opium has increased its production in Afghanistan since we invaded... I don't know how many hundreds of t- uh, times, but it's at the highest level ever 
Heroin epidemic is at the highest levels they've ever been here in the United States, directly related to the military and what they've been doing in Afghanistan. See, now, I'm not blaming military no, men no, no, and no, individuals. No, that's right. Because a lot of them might not even know what they're doing. I have a friend who's not over there anymore but was in Afghanistan, saw a helicopter being loaded with containers. A container fell. One of it opened up. It was heroin. And we, we've had guests on who talk about the heroin shipments. And of course, Barry Seal and, 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 you know, uh, look, this is big business, but here's what, where I have the problem with this. All right. You've got this, um, this effort, this so-called effort against the, um, pain, or this, this agenda against pain medication, op- opioid, opioid, opioid use. Right. Because there is lots of abuse. Well, you know what? On, so at the same what? time. So what? You, you Tobacco is abused. Alcohol is abused. Everything's abused. You cannot penalize those who are, have legitimate need right. of certain medications so, because it, of the abuse of others. I don't know how you guys feel about this, but I look at I look at my friend and and uh, this woman who's in pain, and and they make her jump through hoops just to get whatever pain medication she's on. And I I I don't to be honest with you, I don't know what it is. But here's my suggestion: those people making the laws ostensibly to protect others from this, you know, pain prescription pain medication prescription abuse. So when you get to be infirmed and and crippled with rheumatoid arthritis. Here's what we're going to do to you, the, the people who are making the laws right now. We're going to tie a, um, oh, I don't know, uh, what's the what's the flavor? Oxycontin. Uh, what's a pain medication? That's, Oxycontin. That's one. Yeah. Okay, okay. We're going to tie that to a fishing line or a string. So when you're suffering with, you know, the the people who made these these laws and are making the doctors squirm. Okay. I mean, we're going to tie veterans. it to a, a fishing line and I'm going to put it on the floor and make you crawl. I'm just going to pull on the line and make you crawl in pain for your pain medicine. That's what we're going to do to you. Last year there was an article how okay. new federal well, rules. Well, that's not Christian like. Well, how new federal rules have made it harder for veterans to get specific painkillers that they have uh, depended on to treat a wide variety of ailments such as missing limb and post-traumatic stress. The restrictions adopted last summer by Drug Enforcement Administration, so you're right there, I guess the FDA was just uh, creating the guidances that, that the DEA used to follow and implement the law. The DEA uh, wanted to curb the national epidemic of opioid abuse, and it's- for the first time, in effect, forcing <laughs> veterans to return to the doctor every month to renew their medication. No more can you get a refill on any type of pain medication. Yeah, you have I to heard, see your okay. doctor every single time. Uh, These new rules also p- propose new hardships for people who live distances uh, from health centers and have other transportation-related issues, and that's just one small facet of uh, this story. This also is uh, applying tighter regulations to everyone on opo- opioid painkillers, specifically and especially veterans, they say in this article, but it goes on beyond that. Um I got a new doctor at the beginning of last year, and the first thing they said to me, they said, yes, we have openings, and you and your wife can become uh, patients of ours, but we don't prescribe painkillers. But, but did you even ask? No. So it was just, oh, okay, come on in, but wait. I said, oh, okay. okay. <laughs> Fine. It's like saying, well, you can, you, you can be a patient of ours. If but I need painkillers, I'll probably be in the emergency room anyway, so... 
was the matter to me. But but see, th- this is near and dear to me, and not because I have any love affair with with painkillers. I, I don't. Gun uh, issue. I mean, uh, come on, man. Be, I'm looking at a woman in a wheelchair, twisted up, in pain, can't move. It hurts to even think. And some bureaucrats telling a doctor, her doctor, what they what he can and can't prescribe her. Right. And, and, and you know, and it's it's only getting worse. And that you know what it's goes ha- back you know to Terry Schiavo. The instead of opioid abuse being prevalent, heroin overdose deaths are increasing. But why? so much because of the the cutbacks of opioids, right? From okay, and that's that's a good point. See, so we're going to cut off the legitimate drugs by legitimate physicians or make them so terrified to prescribe people see to, because the woman would have to you know go in and and uh and even then they quite i'm sure there's a question and the doctors are scared to death of the uh, of losing their licenses that they've got probably you know 25 uh you know gazillion dollars invested in so we're going to err on the safe side and make you just keep you in pain so and the fda and cdc did just release uh two weeks ago their guidelines for prescribing opioids for chronic pain in the United States 2016. Uh, and the guidelines represent the CDC's contribution to the ongoing debate about appropriate treatment of pain. And while the guidelines are voluntary, <clears throat> they will be influential in opioid therapy for, for chronic pain. They go on to say uh, the following. Okay, okay. Chronic and acute pain are two different things. I mean, uh, chronic pain, I still believe that if you're a person that is not abusive to whatever pain medication in your chronic pain, so get chronic pain medication. I don't see a problem with that. But what you said earlier, and I know you're going to make a point here, but what you said earlier, uh, the, the, the secret of all of the governments into the heroin and opium industry, so let, let's cut off the legitimate routes and get the people dependent on the, on the more, you know, uh, problematic uh, drugs like heroin, and and, uh, and and the rest will die. The ones that aren't going to turn to the criminal element, is gonna, they're going to die from either blowing their brains out because they can't stand them, you know, they can't stand the pain, or or what, or die, uh, you know, prematurely. So this is all to me. This has nothing to do with uh, making sure people don't OD. This this is this is all about um, genocide and uh, um, or not uh, genocide, but eugenics. Well, the, the, the physicians are angry at the, la- I mean, they're, they're upset that they're not able to better help their patients. Now, some of the recommendations in the, the new guidelines, uh, here's three principles that are key to improving patient care. They said non-opioid therapy is preferred for chronic, uh, pain outside of active cancer, palliative and end of life care. Two, when opioids are used, the lowest possible dosage should be prescribed to reduce the risk of abuse, uh, opioid abuse and uh, overdose. And three, providers should always exercise caution when prescribing opioids and monitor all patients closely. In developing these guidelines, the CDC followed a rigorous scientific process using the best available scientific evidence, consulting with experts and listening to comments from the public and partners. Yeah. Well, well, but let's see. Uh, marijuana is okay, though. You know, in Colorado, uh, marijuana. Well, actually, I mean, I, I, I would say that care. would be an alternative okay. for people who have pain. You know, it is <laughs> nothing like um, what you know painkillers uh, do for you. But does it help pain? But uh, but, but see, yes, it does. But don't, isn't isn't that bipolar of the government to do that? Oh, absolutely. I think Ron Paul said it best when he talked about the laws of government and and the war on drugs. Um, 
in 2008, I believe it was, he said, uh, you know, he was mocking the government. He said, oh, yeah, I need the government to make these laws because, you know, if the, if heroin wasn't illegal, I'd go use it today. So government make a law so I'm not, you know, I don't turn myself into a junkie. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, boy, I'll tell you, I want to shoot someone. So make sure you hide the bullets because and the guns because if you don't, then... You're responsible for me picking up a gun and and loading it and going out and shooting someone, right? That's it's just backwards to me. I, and I guess the point is this: well, you know, who's part of these papers plan. on the CDC, CDC or the, the, the FDA, both, both. All right. You know who's getting involved in this, these no, things? No, no. Oh, how about the Ford Foundation? Okay, how so but, so why though? What, what's the end game here? What's the end game? Yeah, what? what why are they doing this? Because when they have, it's about money. Play, no, 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 no. It's about your soul. Because pretty soon, medicine, as we know, the healthcare system, has been changed to a point where you now must have health insurance or you pay a fine. There is coming a point where you must have health insurance or you will not be able to have a bank account. Well, uh, you want your you you want your. Folks, are, are, are you in that position? Your, are, do you see that position? You want your chronic place? pain to be managed the way it was? Well, you have to take this mark. I, oh, yeah, well, that ain't going to happen. Well, then, prepare Sorry. to be in pain. I mean, really. What they're doing is they're, condi- they're conditioning the American people to go along with their regulations and laws, regardless of how unconstitutional, regardless of how... Um, evil they might be, as we've seen with the, you know, the Supreme Court opinion of homosexual marriage, them saying that, you know, it will not, uh, you know, affect people's jobs or whatever, belief systems, or make people who believe certain ways do something against those beliefs, how quick that turned around. What they're doing is, is behavior modification. And, and that's a larger thing, yeah, that's right. And how they're doing it is through, um, science. They're doing this through, uh, scientific studies, and basically we are lab rats. They're gra- gathering a deeper understanding of how and why we make the decisions we do and, and have the behavior we have, and through collaborations at local, state, federal, and international levels, they are studying realistic um, constraints and mechanisms and regulatory processes for how to control human behavior right, through right, legislation. Right. Okay, so why did I bring up Terry Schiavo? Why did I bring up the pain medication issue? Why now? Why amidst all of this geopolitical morass that we're in, why is this important? Because because of the 11th anniversary of Schiavo, just consider this. Here's what the healthcare system has, has done. Here's what this Obamacare has done. And it's just not Obamacare. It's the it's the degenerates behind it. Here's what it's done. Yeah, it's not just food Obama. and water by way of feeding tubes. They were once considered and, and classified as basic, routine, ordinary medical care. So now, think about this. If you've got, and I know somebody on a feeding tube who who's actually alert, alive, but it's temporary. But now that's classified as extraordinary care or extraordinary medical treatment. And because of this, it is now legal in every U.S. state, according to our laws, to remove or deny feeding tubes from individuals. And as a result, that will kill them by dehydration and starvation. 
That's the ethics committees that rule this Western medical practice. Ethics committees exist throughout our healthcare system. And you know what? They're given this unilateral power to decide whether or not somebody's going to receive medical treatment, especially when there's a dispute between the family and the hospital. So, Remember hey, guys. Remember six-year-old girl, Kathleen Sebelius, recently, uh, or a few years ago when Obamacare first kicked in, that she had to decide whether the six-year-old girl was going to get care or not? I do remember something about that. Yeah, well, I'll have to find that, that case, and, and we'll, we'll have to look over that. Well, look. This is just the tip of the iceberg because, folks, especially in my age range, which is twenty-five to thirty-four, <laughs> or not—I don't I, know. Did I just say that? Yeah, yeah. Uh, look, uh, he, he, last month there was a poll taken. The Journal of Medical Ethics they published a survey revealing that seventy-six percent of the neonatologists thought it was ethically permissible to issue a DNR, or do not resuscitate, without asking or notifying the parents when they felt it impossible for the child to survive. Well, here's the kicker. The word felt. I'm not so sure. And you know what? We're going to decide. We will decide. Not the parents. Do you want extraordinary... Do you want... Uh, should we should we attempt to revive this child? That's what a neo, neonatology is, is the care for infants. It's ethically permissible to issue a DNR or d- don't attempt to resuscitate without even notifying or asking the parents whether they felt it. I mean, you know, regardless, we're not going to, we don't have to talk to the parents. In, in 2015, now consider that 20 states were considering legalizing physician-assisted suicide. What have we come to in this state, in this condition? 26 states, more than half, are considering um, legalizing physician-assisted suicide. Remember the outcry with uh, Kevorkian? What happened to that outcry? We were conditioned. (laughs) See, we were conditioned, weren't we? Oh, yeah. We were played. The same liberals that, you know, called him, you know, uh, a murderer are the same ones who are calling for death panels today. How does that make sense? If you go to the Netherlands and you look in Europe, and especially in the Netherlands, um, there was a reporter who recently wrote that the mentally ill, the people with Alzheimer's, babies with disabilities, Babies that are sick, they may last a year or two, whatever. And even the, the older people who are just tired of living. The chronically ill, the people with disabilities, the terminal, they're all now killed by doctors. Did you hear what I just said? I repeat that. <laughs> okay, so consider this. When you look at Europe... And this is coming to America, and in particular the Netherlands. And a, 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 a research was conducted by a, by a, a journalist who found that the mentally ill, Alzheimer's patients, babies with serious disabilities, or even terminal illnesses, who may or may not last a year, two, three years, whatever, the older people who are tired of life, that's right, I'm just tired of life, I'm tired of living, 
people with disabilities, anyone who is chronically ill, the, the terminally ill, they are all now killed by doctors. Hospice. No, not is hospice. It, it, no, end of a, end of life care. It's no, called hospice. termination without request or consent. Well, uh, I know this is separate from what you're talking yes, about. But yes, yes. Hospice is basically um, the I don't want to say legal, it's, but it's, the it's medical palliative is, care. Hospice is palliative care to to make the exit uh, yes. of, of life. And it's, hospice is good for families, and to we've extent. used hospice. No, yes, no. we have used hospice, no, and hospice I'll tell you is what. Good. Uh, when when I was living with my grandmother, taking care of her, <clears throat> and hospice came in, they would load her up with morphine to the point where she was not conscious at all. I'd have to take her off the morphine so she could function again. She was in and out of the hospital intensive care many times, but, and they would. But, but that's yeah, yeah. And there is a time. I mean, obviously, when it's a person's time to go, they'll go. They go. But you know who. Is a human being to decide another human when another human being's time is up? Well, that's not that's not the. I mean, I understand what you're saying. I mean, but I've we and I say this uh, and I bring this up because of countless emails we've received from people about this about hospice. And maybe we can talk about this on Wednesday when we have our call in. Yeah, if you if you've had experiences with this, but I'll, I'll tell you something. Well, that that's fine. I, that goes to another another type of uh, psychological aspect of things where a lot of no, I shouldn't say a lot. The European model is coming to the United States in certain areas where okay, hospice is. They want to not. They want to accelerate the the, the uh, dying process in some cases. Now I'm not. <laughs> I'm getting in yeah. some cases. In you, some cases to, to continue on on the hospital. All right, but anyway, we, you, you look at Terry Schiavo, and this is what the uh, they have a Life and Hope Network uh, in order to raise awareness and educate the public. Okay, and to help families whose loved ones are in need of protection. See, Coach Dave Dobmeyer went out there to protect the life of, of Terry Schiavo when, in fact, no one else would, and he was arrested for trying to do that. My point is this. What we're seeing is everything in Europe coming to the United States through the Obama model of health care, through the Clinton model of health care. And at the end of the day, because of what we're seeing with Obamacare, this uh, this new health care, they are striving for a single-payer system, which is nothing more than, socialism and communism basically because this Obamacare cannot sustain itself so no, it's, it's going to have way. to go to a sing, it, it, this was the intent all along yeah. to go to a single payer system which is again a socialistic form of medicine in this country and the only people who are going to be allowed to live and allowed to die are those people who will be selected uh, for that privilege and it's going to be a privilege because they have now changed uh, some of the most basic fundamental uh, medical care, food and water, via feeding tubes, into extraordinary or uh, extraordinary care or extraordinary medical treatment. That's the bottom line here. And that does include, the reason I brought this up, that does include this reclassification of certain drugs to class 2 um, narcotics. And if you don't think that this is an important issue right now, especially with our aging demographic, you're wrong. Because they want, there's two classes of people, two, two orders of people they want to get rid of. That's the very old, well three actually, three types. The very old, the impaired, chronically impaired, and the very young. Why? Well, because the rest can be useful workers. Oh, and the, and the mentally impaired too. I should throw that in there. 
because the rest can be used as the worker bees for this elite populace. That's the Georgia Guidestones model. That's what the Georgia Guidestones were saying. That half a billion people, do you think that includes your 92-year-old grandmother or your 78-year-old grandfather or even your 65-year-old father who's got diabetes? No. That's the whole purpose. This is the whole enchilada here of what we're talking about tonight. It's the modeling of it's it's a modeling of this society. It's the modeling of this model, this progressive model of healthcare. And if you don't think this is important, wait until you get sick, mm-hmm. because you're going to find this out. Oh, and you're right, Joe. You're correct. You are correct because see, if you don't sign on the dotted line and accept Obamacare, you ain't gonna get care. And, and oh. But but see, it's it's not going to stop there because of the mass illegal invasion in this country. We are not sure if Miguel Rodriguez is actually Miguel Rodriguez, or um, you know, Anciel Shabab is actually that person. So we're going to issue ID cards, but wait, the ID cards can get stolen, lost, and otherwise. Uh, counterfeited so here's what we need to do we need to give you a chip that way mm-hmm. unless they cut it off you cut it out of you you're you're fine and it's gonna be so convenient because you can just not not, not only for health care but for everything but the the backstory is what we just said and these little pieces of data these little small little oh it's so boring it's insignificant terry shiva 11 years ago big deal what does that have to do with anything right now uh, well, it has everything to do with right now. Oh, Agenda 2030, that's just so far in advance. What does that have to do with everything right now? Stack and pack containers. Well, that's where the remaining half billion are going to live and how they're going to live. While they're working for the 0.1%. Yeah, it's not 1% anymore. It's a 0.1%. And, oh, back to the elections. <laughs> yeah. Back to the elections, right? <clears throat> Folks, um See watch later. Cleveland. Okay, the uh information today. Uh from sources, multiple sources, two to be precise, are telling me watch Cleveland for a series of events that will really shut down that city during the convention. You know, DHS gave them a fifty million dollar grant. Which they used to purchase riot gear. Yep, yep. Specifically for riot gear. Yep. Not for, not not for uh, you know, extra personnel. No, no, not 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 for you know, extra meter mates. For full riot suits. Yep. For anti crowd or for crowd dispersal yep. um, technology, sound weapons. Yep. Um, MRAPs. Yep. It, <laughs> we I mean, are like, this, what, 100 miles outside of Cleveland? Uh, 90 no, miles. That's too close. 90 miles. That's too close. Yeah. 
Yeah, but according to the information I received from, from my two sources, bottom line, and I'll be talking more about this as information does come to me, but uh, we expect to see something take place. Now, my question was, will it take place within the Republican Party that will cause some sort of demonstration outside of the RNC or, or the convention in Cleveland, or will it be some external threat that will be uh, created to cause some sort of issue with, with uh, you know in Cleveland itself? And the answer is yes. <laughs> huh? Yeah, no, they're, they're looking at both both scenarios. And who's looking at this? Well, the very people who are, are, are trained, like Joe said, some of the, the street-level uh, um, police officers who are getting these this information secondhand or actually from higher-ups. That's, that's what we're looking at. So, but what about then, what about the Democratic Convention? Well, apparently, they're not expecting any type of problem there. Are they even expecting people? Yeah, yeah, but uh, apparently Hillary Clinton's got everything all sewn up. But what about her pending indictment? What about the FBI investigation? What about all of this? Apparently the FBI really well, is, she'll be is able powerless. To, or she'll be able to is, pardon herself once she's president. Yeah. Well, the, the the that was the other issue too. Will she will you know will she be take the nomination? Will it be Sanders? There's no way it's going to be Sanders, uh, according to my sources, because Sanders has no way to win, especially in the South, based on um, well, just there's no way to win in the South. Now, is there a, a, a third candidate possibility? Yes, uh, much like the Republicans, but will that take place? No. Probably not. It's it's been preordained, and by that I mean pre-selected. You're talking about the CFR, the Trilateral Commission, uh, the the external or the uh, world component, and the CFR, the uh, uh, U.S. component. Looking at the uh, in the Bilderberg Group and such, the those groups who are setting up shop here and deciding who will be the nominee. And according to the sources I have too, Trump is not going to be one of them. All right, on the on the on the Republican side. Now, I, look, I, I don't know. What happens if it comes out, know. you know, with, um, well, let's say the worst case scenario for Cruz, <clears throat> he is, uh, it, it does come out that he did have some kind of extramarital affair. Well, if you're a Republican, it's, it's horrid because, um, you should, I mean, we, anyone who stands for family values, if in fact a Republican does anymore or a conservative does, then you're, you're not practicing what you preach. And, right. and you're, you're a hypocrite, and of course you can't be trusted based on that. But if you're a Democrat or a progressive, they expect you to, expect, I mean, they forgive you. It's no big deal. Look at Clinton. See, right. and it doesn't matter in that respect. People need to understand that at this convention, if they have a brokered convention, people who did not run in the election can be the nominee. Right. Whoever, let's say no one, and let's, I just want to make sure people understand this. If, if there's no one particular candidate that gets 1,237 delegates by the convention, the field gets, goes, it goes, it, you know, I'm simplifying it, but it goes wide open. And you can actually have a Romney or a uh, Jeb Bush be put in there by the, um, uh, by the people by the powers that be. This is what Dave Hodges was talking about on, what, Tuesday? Monday? Mm-hmm. Tuesday. Tuesday. All right. This is what Dave Hodges was talking about on Tuesday. And we got some blowback from that program. Oh, unbelievably, unbelievable blowback from that program on Tuesday. Unbelievable. In fact, Dave, I think Dave Hodges wrote about it. But the fact of the matter is, um, and, and I know if you're listening, ma'am, um, feel free to, to weigh in. 
and you know who I'm talking about. You know you're. <laughs> no way. Okay. You Actually, uh, Dave Hodges mentioned the state. We have a wife of of, a, of a, the leader of, of a, a state leader of, or at the state level of a RNC or Republican uh, uh, National Committee member who, who listens to the program. Pretty, pretty influential. Pretty high up person in the RNC. Who said, "Wait, my you know, my husband didn't say what you said he said." Well, I, man, I'll tell you what. I when I saw and Dave Hodges forwarded me the correspondence that that uh, um, that uh, reference uh, that she wrote him saying, "No, no, my husband didn't say what you said he said." So I, I was watching. I pulled out a couple of videos and that one from CNBC saying uh, where he said, "We choose the candidates, not the people." Yeah, you told okay. me about now, now, now. That's true because I, and, and it is true that they do. It, you, you we're living in not in a democracy where the people choose the candidates or the uh, nominees. It's the delegates who choose the the, the uh, uh, nominees. So we have to understand that this is a representative republic where delegates elect or uh, vote on the the nominee, select the nominee. But we entrust, we the people entrust the delegates to do that based on our wishes, the popular vote. Again, the the nominees are not elected by popular vote. They're elected by electoral vote, which, hence, this is the definition of a representative republic. It's not a democracy. A democracy is mob rule, and if there's 51 votes in favor of Eric the Tech to be president, then the 49 have to suck it up. I'll, okay. I'll cast my vote for him. Right. <clears throat> What was say? If nominated, you will not accept, and if or if nominated, you will not run. No, okay. He can be president, but he still has to be our tech. But but see, yeah. So um, anyway, and and we're not being satirical here in terms of this policy. But the fact of the matter is, there, and I do fully expect there to be games games to be played with with the selection process, and I do believe Trump will be the odd man out. Now, uh, there's a big deal here with respect to what Trump said about the uh, about women and abortions, and about uh, he, he, I don't know how many folks that saw that where Trump said, "Oh, women who get abortions should be punished." Illegal abortions. Okay, well, he walked that statement back. He said illegal you know abortion. Illegal. It, but the, the, see, the problem here with with all of the candidates, with the exception, I think, of Tom Hoefling, that we had. Uh, uh, we interviewed, and also um, Mike Huckabee, who's not running. With the exception of those two people, I, don't, I have not heard any candidate say, if elected, they would enforce a uh, they would enforce the, the Fifth and Fourteenth Amendments by closing the the infanticide chambers, the murder chambers of of Planned Parenthood and other clinics who killed babies and uh, uh, to kill the unborn and you know in, uh, babies. Um, so. We just what we just go on and accept it. You that's know, the, you know. The, 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 we get a we got an email here um, from Mary Mary T um, about the when I was reading from the uh, Harmony with Nature document from the right. United Nations, right? And she titles it "Right to Life." She says, "Hi, Doug and Joe. I find it to be the height of hypocrisy that one of the first rights you mentioned <coughs> for Mother Earth is the right to life." Seriously. 
so we can murder our babies. That's right. But See, do not harm Mary, Mother you're, Earth. You're right. You're right on the money. This is this mass Freudian Nazi ideal, uh, ideological brainwashing. And, and you might think it's crazy to connect all of those together, but that's what it is, this occult worship of Mother Earth. And, and it is extremely occult. Uh, you go back to Earth Day. I think it was on my birthday back in 70, what, 75? It started in the mid-70s. This is all, I mean, look, folks, this is big. I mean, this is important stuff, all right? Um, this is not just ch- idle chatter. This is this is important stuff. But uh, uh, anyway, the uh, uh, how many people, and, and, and right before the top of the break, I want to know how many people fell for their April Fool's joke. Somebody, somebody pull an April Fool's joke on you today, did they? Not yet, thankfully. Eric, the tech, did anyone? Yeah? Oh, has there been a coup? You know, usually, I just want to know: did did anyone out in our our vast listening audience? I'm looking out here in our vast uh, in-studio listening audience. Let me see here: the uh, woman in the sixth row back, second seat, uh, blue sweater, black hair. Uh, Yeah, you'd think the news, you know, the Daily News was a was a uh, April Fool's joke. (laughs) The way we see it, what they're the titles are how crazy it's becoming. Uh, we got more news on the on the chalkings. I, I just yeah, I just wonder how many chalkings of twenty sixteen. <laughs> Pro Trump chalk messages uh, cause conflict on college campuses. This from the New York Times today. It's funny, it is. But the this is a different type of chalking. People are actually standing up for Donald Trump and the right of free speech. I, I remember last time, saying last in a time where was ISIS bodies. is prevalent and their violence all over the media, social media. Well, Be offended uh, by chalking is appalling. Well, I was offended by the out, chalk outline of a body, you know, one time. Does that count? No, no, of course not. You know, I, but anyway, look, we're almost at the top of the hour. I just want to, I just, again, don't forget folks who are listening, especially in the western half of the country, today's April Fool's Day. At least some, some of the lesser, um, people among us are lesser, uh, I don't know, some people like to, like to pull pranks on April Fool's Day, right? Well, this isn't a prank. I this know, is something I you'd know. be interested in. Um, I found this document and skimmed through it. Don't know the value of it, but, um, <clears throat> this is Nazi, Gold, NSA, and Nazi gold. New kids on the block. Mm-hmm. Personal experiences of an NSA historian and the Nazi gold. Where'd you go? And the Nazi gold. Come on. Well, oh, hey, don't forget, Nazi gold did include, and I and I reference this in my book, the uh, teeth or the gold taken from the teeth of the those people put in the ovens. Yeah, uh, it talks about that. Yeah, and it's it's a horrific uh, thing. Too, but. Yeah, the new kids on the block. Personal experiences of an NSA historian in the Nazi Gold Report, January through May, nineteen ninety-seven. And it talks about the declassified, four hundred recently declassified translations of Swiss diplomatic cables from nineteen forty-six had been found in the archives of the NSA. And we're getting more and more information about the Nazis and about the occult practices and about their wealth and about their yep other occult practices. I'm going to email this to you. We're going to be right back. You're going to be joined Mike by uh, Mike from, from uh, here the yeah, just to talk about what happened in Dallas. Stay with it. This is the Global Star Radio Network. 
never look at your city, town, or its people the same way ever again. Stained by Blood, a murder investigation based upon a true story by private investigator Douglas J. Hagman. Using the character Mark Stiles, Hagman takes you on a journey behind the scenes where the homicide becomes a secondary to an underworld of satanic ritual abuse, child abduction, and even mind-controlled experimentation. A world dismissed as conspiracy by those who want to keep its secrets hidden, exposing the dangers, denials, and deceptions. For five years, a brutal killer remained on the loose, free to kill again. As Mark struggles to navigate the maze of bizarre twists and untangle a web of deeply hidden secrets kept by some of the most powerful and influential people in his community and beyond. You may never look at your city, town, or its people the same way ever again. Stained by Blood. Order your copy of this engaging novel today at HagmanandHagman.com and click on the link. Stained by Blood. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to the Hagman and Hagman Report. This is a very special edition. I just want to come in back. I want to thank everyone for tuning in, for listening, whether you're listening in a patrol car. And I want to say hello to every every officer listening. And I just wish you pray for your safety. Uh, truckers, thank you for listening. And thank you for reaching out to us and sending us what you see out there. And for people sitting in front of your computer watching us live I want to say thank you for doing so those people listening in Europe and all across the globe thanks for listening and also a very special thank you too um, as this is the end of the week I just want to say thanks so much for to everyone who who has uh, ordered and uh, put their reviews out on Amazon of my of my book Stand by Blood which uh, which I op- which I actually published on the, the first day of the conference here, the Watchman Conference in Dallas. Okay, that's when it officially was published, and that's when we first opened the sales on, on, on the, the, the here, the Watchman Conference in Dallas. It, divine timing, shall I say? And with us to talk about here, the Watchman is Mike Kerr, the organizer of here, the Watchman. And just to be clear, um, we 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 heavily promote here the watchman we are not um for anyone who might ask we we have no financial um ties we're we're not we're not you know in business with each other it's, it's just a symbiotic relationship that that works so uh, those people are saying oh well you know you, you know what's going on no. just just to be clear but anyway um here to talk about what happened in Dallas did something happen in Dallas is Mike Kerr from here the watchman Mike how you doing I'm doing all right. Uh, so, how, how are you guys tonight? Uh, we're okay. We just uh, still alive. Yeah, we're still here, sucking air. <laughs> it's good to it's good to be back with you. You know, we had we had such a wonderful time in Dallas with you guys, your families, and and everybody. And and what a what a an amazing amazing uh, blessing uh, that event was. I mean, it, it, I don't know about you guys, uh, and I'm I'm interested in your feedback. But did you feel the Holy Spirit in the room? 
Absolutely. When Pastor Langford was up there, when when Russ Dizdar was up preaching, uh, let me tell you something. Yeah, it, it, the Holy Spirit filled indeed. Yes, absolutely. I mean, yeah, being I in Bozeman, Montana, you were there, Mike, as well. Uh, it exceeded our expectations then, and it far exceeded our expectations in Dallas. It was. We were blessed, you know. And we had a wonderful team together, you know. And I, before we get into to, to kind of talking about, it, if I could just take a minute, I, I want to tell your listeners, you know, if you didn't hear the show that Doug and Joe did on Wednesday, the open, I think they call it the open mic show or whatever you guys call it, the call-in show. But if you didn't hear the first part of that show when KDW was sharing her testimony, you need to go back and you need to listen to that because this woman, I am telling you, uh, we met her and talked with her when we were in Dallas. She was out here at the Watchmen. She is I mean, she is one of my heroes now. I mean, this woman is incredible. God bless her for what she said on your on your show. Uh, I have asked her if she'll share her test share her testimony at some future events that we're doing. I mean, uh, I want everybody to support Katie, and and I mean, she just has a fantastic story. Thank you both for bringing her on the show. Well, you know, it was our pleasure, and I got to tell you, she uh, uh, she's a courageous young woman and young woman, uh, very smart. You know, our age, my age, that is, and yeah, and, and you know, it's it's it, it gives hope to people, and, and that's what it, people often say. Well, you guys, you guys, all you talk about is doom porn and gloom and doom. Well, what a what a great success story. Now she still needs our prayers, but nonetheless. What a great success story, and, and what a good feel, feel a good story, you know, and, and uh, a testament of what prayers do. Just it was just amazing, and you know, it's also uh, leads into everything that really here the Watchman in Dallas was about is hope. You know, we had uh, just so blessed to have like an incredible team that assembled there. And you know, Jeannie and I had nothing to do with that. God put all those people in our path, and uh, Jesus was there coordinating the effort. Jeannie and I were just running around, uh, making sure that that uh, the lights got turned on and and uh, the microphones were up. And and you know, it was just a, it was an amazing experience. You know, to have to have you know people like. Uh, like you guys, and to have like uh, John B. Wells and Michael Boldea. I mean, now there's a guy. He's a young guy. Uh, he's coming up, uh, and man, I mean that he is just anointed. Pastor Langford delivered it. Uh, Paul McGuire, all of them. You know, you had Billy Crone on your show the other night, uh, last night. Uh, here's my shameless plug for Billy. Pay attention to Billy Crone. Uh, he, that man is, uh, he has some stuff that you, you definitely folks want to listen to. And, you know, Josh Tolley, John Robertson, uh, you know, they were amazing. And, and I really want to thank Doug and Joe, your team. I mean, Eric, Tech Eric, I, I gotta tell you, was off the hook crazy good. I would have, I, I, I probably would have, like, you know, just gotten on a plane and headed to Bali or something if it hadn't been for Tech Eric. I mean, he saved us. Rhonda uh, was just amazing taking pictures. Uh, JD was phenomenal in his, his, 
his uh, wife Bridget uh, just there. Uh, you guys, your wives, uh, you know, Joe Charles. I mean, your team stepped up to the plate there in Dallas and helped us deliver the message of the Lord. And and, and we're just, you know, we're really grateful for that. We, we, we really are. And we're grateful to our sponsors. I mean, you know, you started the show up by saying, you know, that we don't have a financial agreement. And, we're, and everybody... We don't have financial agreements with anybody. Everybody that pitched in to hear the Watchmen really didn't do it for any money, including my wife and I. We did it to serve Jesus, and so did all of these people. They came, they served Jesus, and they delivered the message. And, oh, I mean, I am so, so touched by the comments, you know, that your listeners are, are, are sending in and our, our sponsors, you know, who stepped up to the plate. American Survival Wholesale uh, put up a display there, folks, that was just amazing. They went the extra distance. Uh, Berkey, Berkey Water. I mean, look what Berkey did. Everybody there who attended the conference got a free sport bottle. Uh, Berkey has given us enough sport bottles now so that we can do the promotion, the Hagman and Hagman special, which is is, uh, if you order our DVD package now, you get a free Berkey sport bottle. Those things are like $35. You know, and, and, and Berkey did that, and you know, Ross Towell from uh, survival one four from survival four hundred one k Carla from uh, Nature's Oils Sky Rayer Arms and the Seed Ladies. I mean that if you guys didn't get to meet the Seed Lady, I mean you got to talk to the Seed Lady because she was phenomenal. So yeah. you know everybody everybody came together for those three days. Did you not feel the fellowship in that in that room, guys? Oh, absolutely. <clears throat> not only did I feel the fellowship, but uh, a tremendous amount of, of love and compassion and and concern, uh, not only for our fellow brothers and sisters in Christ who are there, but for all the the, the people who are the make up the remnant church uh, in today here in America. There was um, I don't even know how to put it in words. There was such uh, a want for that Holy Spirit uh, to impart wisdom. There was such a want for spiritual growth. And you know, uh, I think Mike, you left you left some a very important component out. And here's what I saw: I saw people in that room, and, and I'm I'm I, I'm not correcting you. Actually, I'm just kind of I've got a smile on my face. I, I looked at the people, the attendees, the people who made it there. I've never seen such hunger uh, from an audience or from people. And such fellowship, for the most part, I believe. I, I don't. I think perhaps in, in its entirety. I, I mean, people got fulfilled, you know. Or, well, what's the best way to describe it? There, there was fellowship. There was there was an overwhelming feeling of fellowship, and and rubbing elbows with people like Russ Bizdar, and praying with people like Russ Bizdar, and Pastor Langford. There was an edification by the from the, of the people who attended. I mean, they, they got something out of it, and the, just to look in their eyes, our listeners, to look in the listener, our, our listeners' eyes, and to to meet them. What a powerful, powerful! Uh, I mean, I was, I, I was very humbled. Humbled is that the word? I don't know. Yeah, that, that is that is definitely the word. I mean, we okay. were. All of us involved uh, were, were so humbled by what went on. And you're right, the hunger, 
the hunger is so much there, the remnant. They're, they're hungry for the word. Uh, they're hungry for the fellowship. They, you know, we, we have been out there, uh, Janie and I, and we, we've talked to, you know, on a regular basis, we talk to hundreds of people a day from across the country. And really the underlying current is please, you know, bring us the food we need. You know, uh, how can you, you know, we need to hear from this person. We'd like to hear from this person. You know, we wish that we could, Jeannie and I wish we could just bring everybody and put a big tent up somewhere in Kansas and say, drive on up and come on, let's get this revival on and do it right and do it now. You know, the, the time has come uh, for us as a remnant family to stand together. And, you know, we've talked about this, Doug, uh, and I'm, gonna, I'm just going to say, you know, uh, people are, I think people are going to probably call, start calling me the Nancy Reagan of the Christian movement because I'm telling everybody right now, there's cannibalism between Christians. It's just, just stop it. It's just got to stop right now. You know, these these people we we dealt with the issues with security in in uh in Dallas. We had someone calling in with visions of bombs and things like that and we had to deal with that and, and then one Christian attacking another Christian. I mean look what Steve Quayle goes through on a daily basis. And and they attack they attack Pastor Langford. They certainly attacked Jeannie and I spent I spent uh, an hour on the phone before I came on your show tonight because someone has hacked my email and is sending out things that, you know, I didn't even know they were going out. But fortunately, my internet provider caught it. And, you know, I had to change everything. I mean, those are the attacks that we go on. But I'm showing you, you know, we we talk, and on your show we talk, and other people talk about uh, the whole fact that, you know, we have in our society today, we have the Muslims attacking the Christians. Well, you know what? I'm here to tell you folks, uh, from my experience and what we've gone through, we also have to worry about eating each other alive. Just stop. I mean, yeah, hey, yeah. What, what do you think? No, I, I, I think that's perhaps the Trojan horse of the uh, revival movement when you've got the, you've got everyone supposedly on one side and saying, okay, we've got a formidable foe and that's the satanic uh, agenda, the Luciferian agenda, so we have to go after them. And then you've got, um, no, I'm not talking about the, uh, I'm not talking about the, uh, uh, you know, taking the task of the obvious you know, Chris Long uh, supporters. I'm talking about the the remnant, the evangelicals, who who are cannibalizing themselves. And Billy Crone talked about that yesterday at length, because I asked him to. I mean, you know, what is that uh, all about? And and the the question that he asked, or he said he would ask those people who who take issue with with the secondary issues, non-salvation issues, is how many people have you? Or how, basically, how did you spend your day to day? Did you bring anyone? Did you bring the word to anyone? Did you bring anyone to Christ? I think that's the, the ultimately that's what the movement is all about, and and that's for salvation, eternal salvation, not the not not to be the uh, 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 Christian police. No, I'm not. Again, I'm not talking about salvation issues. I'm talking about secondary intellectual issues. Where um, you know the cannibalism exists at that level, so that's yeah, you're right, you're absolutely right, and and it felt like it felt like a battlefield there for a while at that uh, at the conference, it, mentally anyway, um, but with all the crap that went on, you know. Uh, but anyway, so uh, sorry it's about just, that. It's just time. It's just time, and you know, yeah. and that that you know that 
that kind of leads us into something. You know, we, we announced, uh, and you and I talked about it, it was actually spawned, uh, this whole idea was spawned by uh, you and I having a conversation, and that's the, the movement, the community watchman. And my goodness, we are so blessed. You know, we have retired Colonel Kevin Bushy, uh, who has joined us to put our infrastructure together for the community watchman. Uh, we have Coach Dave, and Coach Dave has agreed to uh, help us. We're, we're kind of trying to combine forces uh, with the Salt and Light Brigade. And, and, and let me tell you, what the community watchman is, and I love Coach Dave. We were talking the other day, and two of us were like, the community watchman program is a powder keg for Jesus. It really is. And that's that's from Coach, Coach Dave. And it, it it is a chance for us to truly be one body, many members, and an unstoppable force. We have an organized infrastructure where we're going to connect people in geographic areas for fellowship, to provide disaster relief support where we'll go out and pray for people. We're not saying we're going to go out and take blankets and all that. We'd like to, but we're going to go out and pray with them and let them know as Christians we stand there for them. We're also going to be a facilitator to increase the awareness and provide ground support for events that are held by other Christians across the country. Like, look at the work that Coach Dave does and Flip Benham. They, they do it on a weekly basis. You know, we're going to be out there to do that. Now, you know, what it really is, if you think about this, we're trying to pull together as Christians so that we're, uh, we're really all as one body standing up for Jesus and the teaching of the Bible, a lot like the Oath Keepers stand up for the Constitution. And folks, you can go to uh, thecommunitywatchman.org and check it out there, or you can go to hearthewatchman.com, and there's a button right on hearthewatchman.com at the top that says the Community Watchman. Click on that. You'll be redirected over to the Community Watchman. Go on and sign up. Uh, get your name in the queue so that as we start sending you out information, the website was just announced yesterday, but you go in there, sign up, get into the queue, you'll start to get information on a regular basis. Uh, we are looking for volunteers with expertise. We're looking for technical support right now, desperately. Uh, anybody out there that's listening that can volunteer to help us build a strong base, technical base to collect the data, uh, we would appreciate it. But what we, what we want to see people do is, again, stop fighting with each other, come together, fellowship with one another, let's go out there and be Christians and show people what it is that a good Christian does. It is not so much, and that's what I think we run into trouble with right now, uh, and this is just my personal opinion, I'm sure someone will take, take offense to what I'm saying, but, you know, there's plenty of people that talk the talk. But we have a shortage of people who walk the walk. And through the Community Watchman Program, we want to bring people in to walk the walk. You know, we want them to come in. We're going to have training. You know, the Seed Lady is a prime example. We're going to try and bring her in to go out in different geographical locations, talk with the remnant body, tell them the things that she's learned. Uh, there'll be, like, American Survival Wholesale going out, telling the people about preparing and, and, and things like that, whole tones, you know, getting them out there uh, to talk to people and, and talk about what they're – just to bring the knowledge base up. Because one of the things, like, you just mentioned, there's such a hunger. 
And that was disclosed at Hear the Watchmen, that there's this just amazing hunger. I had people coming up to me, Doug and Joe, and they were saying to me, Brother Mike, thank you so much for putting people's city and state on the name badges because we're starved. I just met four people from, you know, uh, from Maine that I had no idea were in the area and we've connected and, and we're going to stay in touch. You know, that's how you build around that family and that's how you be, build a movement because I'm telling you, when the you-know-what hits the fan here, you know, who are we going to have, Doug and Joe? No, you know, you're, you're exactly right and I think we have to... Uh, we've... Uh, and we've wrestled with this, folks. We have been wrestling with this for so long. We, you know, there are so many people out there who are not only hungry, but they're alone. They're and they're they're afraid. And and they're and and a lot of times, um, you know, you say, "Well, don't be afraid because God is with you." Yes, that's true. But but you know, we're all we're also human. So we do have human emotions, and fear is one of them. Uh, hunger is one of them, both uh, physical hunger as well as spiritual hunger. So let's do what we can. Now, is Coach Dave, and, and folks, Coach Dave Dabemeyers, who uh, he's referencing in, in PPSalt.com, Salt and Light Brigade, and, and the, Coach Dave is out there just, you know, changing the landscape of the um, uh, abortion mills one by one, I believe. So he's doing a lot, but and he's doing a lot to educate as well as protect the lives of the unborn, but is um, so the community watchmen will that include churches? In other words, can people will people uh, be able to identify uh, churches uh, that? Uh, Absolutely. You know. I mean, we we are we won't you know we are we want to keep within the mission of what we're doing. We're happy to have people bring in churches. We. We want we want to increase the fellowship, and we want we want to increase the visibility of Christians. Because Doug, Joe, right now, I'm telling you, you guys know this. The Muslims get plenty of airtime. I mean, look at go on your computer every day and, and hit MSN, hit whatever. All you're going to see on there is the Muslims this, the Muslims that. This guy's a Muslim, that guy's a Muslim. They just beheaded this person. Time for the Christians to be shown. Let's go and let's go out there. And let's see, let's show America and the world what good Christians really do. So let's go out and be there and pray and and be on the steps of the Capitol when somebody's doing something or doing. So let's support each other. And that's that's not a political movement. It's a grassroots movement to bring Christians together. You know, it's it's being structured. And the difference between this movement and what we're doing, this all came out of things that that happened at here the watchman in Dallas is we don't want this to be something where people are just running in every different direction. We want this to be organized from an infrastructure standpoint so that when Coach Dave calls me up and says, Mike, uh, we're going down, I'm going down with Flip, we're going down into Charlotte. In Charlotte right now, they're trying to make transgender bathrooms. They've got some big thing going on down there right now with that. And we need some people to come out and back us up down here. That we'll have people in the area who are willing to go down there and pray with them. 
They don't have to go out in the street and carry signs or anything like that unless they want to. They just got to go down there and show support for Coach Dave and Flip or whoever else is doing it. Because that's what Christian, I don't know, maybe maybe uh, Pastor Langford, I know, feels the same way I do. But maybe someone will call up and say, no, that's not what Christians do. But as far as I know, Christians come together and support one another in the name of Jesus. You know, that's right. That's right. I think and, that's what it is. Yeah, and what we and, and a lot of times, you know, we we are, uh, folks. You have to understand what we're. When I say we, each of us individually, but collective, it's a collective effort. What we're trying to do is make a difference through uh, a well organized uh, effort. And have you noticed when you get three percent? I, I don't know what the uh, how many evangelical Christians does the United States have? I don't even know. But I do know that that we'll say three to three to four, or generously five percent of Americans are, uh, you know, LGBT people. All right, uh, you know, the the homosexual, transgender, whatever. So when you when you look at the organization, just that three percent has how how well organized they are to create such a formidable force against the Christians. Why can't the Christians do that? So this is what Mike with here the Watchman is, is trying to do, along with Coach Dave Dobmeyer and, and those people who are associated with this. So this is why we we support that initiative because we have to fight. So and I do believe that that's uh, that's a heck of an important thing. So, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's really, I, I think we're, you know, in talking to, uh, to, uh, coach, uh, Dave, uh, and about this and everything that's going on. I mean, we are, we are right on the cusp of something huge. And that's why he called it the uh, powder keg, uh, you know, for Jesus. I mean, it's, it's just the time has come and, and look at what it, it leads into. You know, people want to know. Uh, in Dallas, uh, the, the consummate question there was, where do we go from here? What do we do? This has been, on, when, when it was up on Sunday, uh, you know, it was, uh, it, it was just, uh, so humbling for Jeannie and I, uh, to have people come up and, and give us hugs and tell us thank you and, and just, it, it was just so touching. But the, the overwhelming question was, where do we go from here? Um, and the community watchman is one step. The next step for here, the watchman, of course, is we'll be in, in, in Knoxville, uh, Tennessee, and we're going to be there on September 30th through October 2nd. Uh, and folks, I'm telling you, uh, tickets went on sale for this. Uh, I think it was Tuesday. Pastor Langford and Steve Quayle talked a little bit about Knoxville on Monday. And uh, we have limited seating there, and it's already filling up. If you want to go and you want to hear the people uh, that are going to be in Knoxville, it's going to be a little different than uh, the way we did it uh, in Dallas. Uh, but you need to get on board, and you need to get on board now. And I know... Just like all of you, I don't know where the economy is going to be uh, in September. I don't know where the world's going to be in September. But I know that I can make the commitment right now as a Christian that I'm, gonna, I'm going to plan and do with everything I can to provide another gathering for Jesus in Knoxville during those times. You know, uh, that's just what I have to have the hope, and I have to march forward for Jesus in doing that. And so uh, I want you all to think about that and get on board. I mean, it's going to be Steve Quayle 
will be speaking there. And that was one of the big questions at Cure the Watchman of Dallas is where is Steve Quayle? Um, you guys know the next question. I'm not going to bring it up tonight, but it's kind of a funny one. But uh, it was where, you know, when can we hear from Steve Quayle? Well, he's going to be in Knoxville. Uh, Pastor David Langford will be there. Michael Boldeo will be there. Coach Dave will be there. Uh, it's going to be MCs will be, you know, you uh, and uh, Joe. And then, of course, John B. Wells. But we're so also going to be in. Yeah. <laughs> well, your wife already said you'd be there. So, you know, you don't have any choice. And, and, and the studio doc can come, you know. But this time. Uh, this time. But That's a deal breaker. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, Luna's going to come. The, the half Siberian, half uh, half black lab. We're going to bring her down there, and that, that, to, that way you and I have somebody to go talk to at night who will who will talk to us. You know. Um, oh, oh, listen, but, that, that's a thing. We got twenty <laughs> people to talk to us. Just few of us. Yeah. But the other thing that's going to happen in Knoxville, guys, is we're going to introduce everybody to a guy who I'm telling you, this man, uh, I love this man. I've known him. Pastor Langford uh, uh, introduced us uh, back uh, a few months ago, and he and I have been trading some emails, and Pastor Langford speaks very highly of him. And, you know, if Pastor Langford speaks highly of somebody, I'm pretty much done. I don't, they don't need to, uh, if he says they're good, they're good. Uh, and, um, he goes by the name of the Colonel. Uh, he's retired Army Special Forces. He then went, then went into the private sector and was a successful businessman. And he started a ministry. And that ministry is called Seed Time Harvest Ministries. They are based in Nashville, Tennessee. If you go to hearthewatchman.com, you can click on the colonel's picture and it will take you right over to Seed Time Harvest Ministries. And you can learn a little bit about him. But let me tell you why. It's so important that we have the colonel in in Knoxville with us. It's because what the colonel does is something that the churches are afraid to do. And what the colonel does is he teaches you how to pray. Now, when I first heard that, and he said that to me, and Pastor Langford talked about how wonderful he was, my first first response was, but I don't need anybody to teach me how to pray. I pray fine. Why do I need anybody to teach me how to pray? But you know what? I'm telling you, I've read his stuff and I've talked with the colonel. And believe me, when you think about it, when you were growing up and when you were in brick and mortar churches, did anybody from the pulpit ever teach you how to pray? Mm, they would pray, not teach you how to pray. That's right, you know, and that's like saying drive the car, but not teaching you how to drive the car. And and the colonel does that, and it's a it's a wonderful. He has a wonderful, wonderful things that that he does here. And the difference that we're going to do, uh, folks, uh, in Knoxville, just to let everyone know, is we're not. We're not going to have as many participants so that the uh, internal purchase, I mean, speakers, we're not going to have as many speakers. So each speaker will probably speak twice. Pastor Langford will be doing the uh, same thing he did where he does the service on, on Sunday morning. And then, uh, just like we did in Dallas, he'll do the baptisms. And, you know, let's touch on that for just 
you know, a moment if, if I can with you guys. Uh, you know, we were sure. honored to have Doug, I mean, to have Joe and his wife uh, decide to be baptized there. And, and Joe, I'd like you to kind of tell the listeners, if you don't mind for a second, what that whole baptism process was like. I, I want to say one thing before before that, uh, but it's about the baptism um, uh you know, it's amazing to me the emails that I got saying, you heathen, basically, and I'm paraphrasing, you heathen, allowing your son to be baptized. What? He's never been baptized? Folks, you know, how, again, this goes... How dare you allow me? Yeah. Well, <laughs> actually, yeah, can you believe that? I mean, seriously. Like, no, you could stop me if you but, but see, here, here's, here's what kind of segues into everything. Just real quick, okay? Um, because we're uh, Joe and I are, are about transparency. Since you brought this up, and your and, and certain people are making um, fallacious accusations, Joe was baptized in the Roman Catholic Church. He was uh, not was, baptized elsewise. Okay, when I was, um, right. Young, yeah, right. It was so you know people because people were saying, well, it's not right to be baptized twice. Whatever, I, 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 but, but see, anyone can, reasons anyone can make, make this, uh, and, and I know Eric the Tech and I, you know, he, he educated me in some aspects of this because, again, you know, I, I, I don't know everything, but, but the bottom line, it was, it was a nice thing for you. I just want to mention that. I'm not doctrinal about it at all. I did it for two reasons. One, yeah, there you go. Thank my you. My wife was doing it, and I wanted to, to, uh, include myself with her and be supportive and, and baptize, get baptized with her, and two, for a mutual, individual and mutual rededication of our life to the Lord. But, but again, you were never baptized in full submersion, that type of thing. So you know, so people don't, you know. I'll get I, baptized again. I mean, I, I, okay, but know, I know, I know, I, but I don't think there should be any. Um, I mean, for somebody to, if and for those who, if anybody did have anything negative to say about it, I feel sorry for you. Um, yeah, because it was it was really a, a something to see, you know, and it, it does. It, for for the many people who were there, who really, I, I mean, tears. You couldn't tell because I mean, I, actually, the, the pool water went up by about an inch because of the tears of joy. <laughs> you know, really. You know, no, it was wonderful. It was a, a spiritual experience, and both my wife and I um, are, you know, so happy that we did it, and uh, it, it did, you know, change things for us, and. Um, Mike, I can't thank you. Uh, how many? For, yeah, for how many people? That together. How many people, Mike, were baptized? We had 250 people sign up, uh, and I, I'm pretty sure we ended up way over a hundred who actually did it. Uh, close to 200. Uh, the hotel uh, was just—they said that they had never seen anything like that. It was it was wonderful. Uh, we did it orderly in the time that they allotted for us. They closed the entire pool down uh, so that we could use it for that purpose. And you know, I don't mean to be on a soapbox here, but I'm gonna I'm gonna have to say it one more time to all the people that have sent emails in to you guys about that. Just stop it. I mean, there we go again yeah. with the yeah, cancellation of Christian. Just stop that. I mean, you know. You you talked to Pastor Langford about being baptized, and you talked about being a Christian. I was baptized, and, and, and you know, I'm going to admit it right now. When I grew up, I was raised in the church of whatever looked best. 
my parents would move me from church to church <laughs> yeah. to church. I mean, that's they were uh, World War Two. They did it the best they could. But when we'd move into a neighborhood, they'd drive through the neighborhood and they'd find the church that had the best looking people with the, you know, uh, the best activities, and that's the church we belonged to. You know, yeah, and, and that's life. that's right. Yeah. I was raised that way too. Yeah, you know, you know that's yeah. the way it was. That's the way it was then, you know, and and so I I was baptized in the Methodist Church. Now, Jeannie was Catholic. Okay, so you know, I mean, and then but then both of us, you know, decided that we wanted to be Christians and leave the, that church that we were baptized in, so that when we became Christians, we decided to be baptized again in that faith in front of Jesus. You know, and Pastor Langford will tell you that stuff. He'll talk to you about that until he's blue in the face. God bless him, you know, because, you know, here's the deal, folks. If you, if, if you can't find something better to pick on, uh, people to 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 say like oh you heathen you got baptized come on really you terrible person you were saved today how dare you yeah it's it's not not quite in accordance with the doctrinal uh aspect of how unchristian like yeah uh, find salvation you know that's that's the problem guys and, and that's and that's why I wanted to. Me- I mentioned this, and people might think, well, you know, just brush off the criticism. It's not the criticism that bothers me; it's the spirit behind it, and and what it's doing to other people. Because it it kind of a little bit kind of to- it makes the water toxic. And I'm not I'm not comparing it to baptism. I'm just saying, you know, if if Christianity, uh, evangelical Christians are in a pool. And, and there's somebody pours a little bit of to, uh, toxic uh, substance in the water. I mean, it, it contaminates the entire pool. So, what we want to do is, is at least in our having uh, having report, is is be. Um, uh, boy, I'm going to get in trouble for even saying this. Be beacons of light on the hill. In other words, okay, go over here, guys. You know, this is where something good is happening. And this is where you can you can um, re, you know uh, become baptized and, and and have people pray with you and for you and beside you and, and this is all good stuff. Um, that's kind of what what our what I look at our job to be. I don't know if that sounds right or not, but yeah, you're right. You know, it, and it's not about the criticism; it's about the spirit behind it and the fact that we we're, time is so short. We need to what we need to do is tighten the ranks and let's get moving with this with, with this remnant body. That's what we want to do. Let's, and, and we're glad you're doing it. I'm glad Pastor Langford's doing it. Glad everybody. Yeah, we're just thankful for you, for for you, and for your efforts. Well, we're grateful. You know, we're <laughs> so grateful for everything that, that you guys do. And and you know, Jeannie and I are blessed to be to be doing all this. And folks, you know, I mean, wow. Uh, uh, you know, we're we we just. We're we're so humbled by everything, and I, and, I, and I need to say, you know, to to all the live stream customers out there, wow, you guys, you guys are amazing. You put up with us. I mean, we had some difficulties. Uh, I tried to stay in touch with all of you. I mean, people who were working the registration table where I was sitting in, in Dallas can attest that I was on my computer all day long. Uh, trying to field the questions and the problems we had with live streaming. Uh, we had to completely change contractors for the live streaming. 
at the end of the conference and go to another uh, contractor to upload the material. And then we had to do a lot of work with it, but by the grace of God, and uh, we found a wonderful Christian uh, company, uh, Kashandi is their name in Dallas, uh, Texas, and there's a guy there by the name of A.G. who uploaded everything for us. He slowed the feed down, and now I would say that 99% of all the live feed customers have been able to see it, and you would not believe the stories that are coming in, just like you had said earlier, uh, Doug, that, you know, we have people out there who are uh, basically alone, and they are shut-ins, and the only access that they have to the information that you and 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 uh, Joe are putting out, and that Pastor Langford puts out, and that Steve Quayle puts out, is the internet. And, and these live streams. And, and we're just, you know, we're, we're so humbled by what they've been saying about uh, how their lives have been changed by watching it. And, and so we thank all of you, and, and we thank you so much for your patience and putting up uh, with, with, with what we went through uh, during that time, uh, the difficulties. We try to be 100% honest and transparent with everybody over that. And I, I think we accomplished that. I hope we did. Uh, but, you know, this is where we are. We are in a crazy time in America, and we are in the world, for that matter. If you look at the things that are going around, like you and I were talking about before we got on, how crazy things really are. I mean, that is why we have to all pull together right now. That is why you need to make the commitment to come to Knoxville and listen to what Steve Quayle has to say. You need to listen to what Pastor Langford has to say. You know, and the other men uh, who will be at that conference uh, that are talking, you need to listen to what they have to say. Stop criticizing them, stop cannibalizing them, listen to what they have to say. You know, Theodore Roosevelt's this is on my wall, and the critic says it's not the critic who counts, not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles or where the doer of deeds could have done them better. The credit belongs to the man who is actually in the arena, whose face is marred by dust and sweat and blood, who strives valiantly, who errs, who comes up short again and again because there's no effort without error and shortcoming, but who does actually strive to do the deeds, who does know great enthusiasms, the great devotions, who spends himself in a worthy cause, who at the worst, if he fails, at the least fails while daring greatly, so that his place shall never be with those cold and timid souls who neither know victory nor defeat. That statement right there describes you, it describes Joe, it describes Steve Quayle, it describes Pastor Langford, it describes Michael Boldea, Coach Dave, the Colonel, every speaker who was at our conference. You know why? Because we're all out there. You guys are all out there. You're all doing it. And, you know, I don't know about you, Doug. Maybe maybe, maybe you never have. I, I think you have. But I've made a lot of mistakes. <laughs> I've fallen down. <laughs> have you oh, ever done man. that? <laughs> you know, but, but have you ever noticed What's a mistake? People, yeah. 
Yeah, have you ever noticed though that the people that are criticizing all the time, you notice something about them? They're not, they're the ones that aren't actually doing anything. And, and well, that's right. Yeah. I'm sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. No, it's like, you know, my wife and I have this, like, thing that we go back and forth with because we've been involved in, uh, you know, we started a foundation that, that brought, you know, every uh, child and widow or widower of any service member killed post 9-11 uh, in, a, in Iraq and Afghanistan, uh, we brought them out and took them to Disneyland. But we, we didn't really do it. God did that one too. You know, we just facilitated it. And they were out here for three days. Everything was paid for by major corporations. It was a fantastic event, you know. And the, the thing is, during all that, we had people criticizing us. And she and I came up with this. It was really true. You know, there's plenty of do-gooders out there, but they don't do anything. You know, so folks, you know, I'm asking all of you, uh, when it comes to where we are today as Christians, to, to seriously get up off the couch for Jesus. You know, join the community watchmen. You know, come to Knoxville. Get out. Get amongst the people. Get active. You know, get active in being a Christian. I mean, right now, I'll tell you, if there's one way that you want to get to the front of the line in a grocery store, all you got to do is is say to the person like uh, you know in front of you, hey, you know, would you like to have a conversation about Jesus today? Have you, do, do you know what? Do you know this this aspect of the Bible? And, and they'll get out of the way, and you can go right forward. And you can also clear the room if you're a preacher by saying, you know, okay, we're going to take an offering. Suddenly, everybody leaves the room. You know, we got to stop all that. We have to change the way we perceive. Christianity in a sense that we need to come together. And that's my soapbox. No, that's fine. No, you know, let's ask this, because I think that this is a question that people want to know. Um, what, what, what do you think the biggest problem is right now uh, facing us as Christians in the world that we're living in? Is it uh, the economic uh, hardships? Is it the, uh, the the fear of of losing? I mean, we've got so, so many things. A headline rich environment, and, and all the topics that, that are touched on are just uh, marginally touched upon. I mean, it, it's it's. I think I think uh, uh, you know, an inch deep and a mile wide is 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 how the topics are covered. But in your estimation, the people that you met at the conference, what are their biggest concerns out there? Is it is it Losing the ability to talk as Christians and to practice their religion, or is it something more, something less, something different? What is it? Well, you know, from based on everything that I heard, I'll tell you the biggest the biggest fear that, that the people that I talk to out there have is that as Christians, we have nowhere to go to be together that we're all fragmented across the country. Sure, they're worried about, you know, the economy. I mean, I heard that quite a bit, that we're worried the economy is going to fail. We're worried that the new world order is going to take over. You know, we all have those fears, but those really have nothing to do with the fundamentals. The fundamentals, and and, and Pastor Langford will back this up, and I know Steve Quayle will back this up, it's a time for America that we repent. And people that I talked to came up to me who said, I mean, you look at uh, Pastor Langford did mention this, you know, he had people coming up and repenting to him where marriages were saved. 
where there was a, a gentleman that was had been uh, having an affair with his wife and repented for it, and he and his wife came together at that, and and it just it just changed their lives and their marriage. I mean, uh, you know, we need to get right. We need to get right with Jesus. That's where we are right now as we move forward. And, you know, the Bible tells us in the 23rd Psalm that, you know, we shall fear no evil. But we, in order to get to that point, we, we, really have to, we really have to look hard at where we stand with God. So when you go to bed at night, and that's a lot of what I heard at the conference was, you know, we want to get to a point where we're so filled that when we go to bed at night and lay our head on the pillow that we know we're good with Jesus. And, and, you know, the economy will come and go. Uh, China will rise and fall. Uh, all of that stuff will continue to happen, uh, you know, as long as the world as we know it is still here. Now, how long will the world as we know it still be here? Anybody who comes to, to you or me and says, I know it's going to go away on this date, run away from that person. Because I don't know. All I know is that I want to be right with God. And the way that I get right with God is that I be of service to God. And the way I be of service to God is I do exactly what he told me to do. I gather the people. I don't worry about the financial end of it. Jeannie and I, as you guys know, uh, we, we put it all on the line to do the first year of the Washington. By the grace of God, purely by the grace of God, and all the people who chipped in and helped out, um, you know, the $5 to the $7,777 that we got, all of that, you know, has brought us to a point where we uh, are, I believe, even, and now we are able to pursue and go on with Knoxville. We are talking about one in the Carolinas, and we're talking about something uh, down in Florida on the East Coast. We're coordinating all of that with Pastor Langford and Steve Quayle and some of the other men, like yourselves, and, and we're trying to put this together so that we can feed the family, because that's what everybody seems to want. They want to know who, are, who is with us? What is available to us? What is the solution? We have all, for a long time, in my opinion, talked about the problem. And it's time to talk about the solution. And really, where the solution lies is within the words and the teachings of Christ. It's in the Bible. That's where the solution really is. You can look around outside for it. I don't think you'll find it. I mean, if you do, please, you know, call me up, send me an email, let me know, because I'll be the first one over there to find the solution with you. But as far as I know, the solution's in the Bible, the solution's there, turning your life over to Christ, you know, and just listening, listening to what he's asking you to do. When, when the Lord asked me, of all people, to gather his people, I, I mean, I was... I mean, I was looking around the room like, you know, you, you, you must be talking to someone else in here. Problem was, there was no one else in the room. You know, I'm a sinner. I sinned. I, I, I made mistake after mistake after mistake. But finally, when I got upon my knees and asked God to forgive me for my sins, I did not ask for anything in return. I just simply asked the Lord to forgive me for my sins. He blessed me and gave me the direction that my life has gone in now. And 
it is an honor to serve him. It is an honor to be the, one of the guys who put together the community watchman. It is an honor to to be uh, associated with with the the hear the, the watchman that, that Jeannie and I came that we were able to somehow one little couple. Just a husband and wife somewhere in the country were able to listen to what the Lord said and do that and get everybody else along to help us do that. What a blessing from Jesus that was. I mean, you know, think about that. What if there's another couple somewhere in the world that's willing to do just what Jenny and I did? And then what if there's another couple after that somewhere that'll put it together and do something for Jesus? You know, just think what a better world this would be. And that's what we're trying Amen. to trying to do. You know, that's really where we are, guys. I mean, and, yeah. and you guys do it. You know what I'm talking about, right? Absolutely, absolutely. Well, you, you know what you did it. You took us to just about the end of the hour. We're going to cut you loose, but uh, there you go. That's what happened God in bless. Dallas. Yeah, Mike, God thanks. Bless you. Well, yeah. thank you, thank you. you no, no. Yeah, I just want to say thank you for uh, all that you that you're doing right now, and uh, I guess again, as you said, the next one will be in Knoxville, right? Knoxville, or, Tennessee, September 30th through October 2nd. Get on board. Go to hearthewashman.com. Oh, and one last thing before you cut me loose. Don't forget, folks, go on to hearthewashman.com. If you want to hear what happened in Dallas, order those DVDs. Uh, you know, we're not making money on those things. I mean, we just want to get the word out there. So, uh, Doug, Joe, God bless you. All right. Thanks, Mike, for the update. God bless. Have a good one. Have folks, good one. that was, yeah, thanks, Mike. That was, uh, Mike from Hear the Watchman. Um, all right. I just want to uh, just give this little bit of tidbit of information out real quick before we uh, uh, before we go to the uh, go to the end of the program. Apparently, uh, it looks like Anonymous got a hold of the DC Madam list and leaked it. Now, the reason uh, I think this is important, and this is kind of a change of, of, of information here. We mentioned this um, at the beginning. Yeah, but but I, it looks, and again, I can't authenticate these documents, but uh, they're being posted on Twitter and mm-hmm. in other locations. Um, Apparently, Cruz. uh, Cruz, yeah. Apparently, Cruz is, uh, is in there. Now, I, you know again, I there? don't know. Kasich y- y- uh, is what uh, I read also, uh, allegedly. Yeah, let's see here. Still speculation. Um, yeah, we're, I'm, I'm looking at these documents trying to get my, wrap my brain around what I'm looking at here. Um, well, they're not going to let this go. They're going to have to, well, <laughs> what am I talking about? The media will cover this up for them. Um, well, yeah. Uh, look, uh, it's why does this matter? Because integrity and character matters. That's why. Uh, and, and the question I have right now: Did anonymous, in fact, uh, post these documents? Uh, it, it appears that way. Who's on there? Cruz and Kasich. Kasich, uh, perhaps. It, it appears based on just the first. Uh, run through. Again, why does it matter? Well, it matters because character matters. Is it something that could be, uh, you know, used and will it be used? Of course it'll be used against these people. It's all political theater, but I just wanted to bring that out and let people know because we did talk about this at the beginning of the show. And I think it's, I think it's interesting that these are out there. I think you have to ask yourself, what is this distracting us from? The real, the real stories of the information. By the way, real quick here, the, um, a couple of things regarding Christianity that, uh, that Mike alluded to and, and we, we talk, talked about, too. 
uh, Illinois Inn fined over $80,000 for refusing to host a homosexual marriage wedding, that is. Um, and the reason this is important, well, it goes right along with, uh, um, with the, uh, well, it's, it's, it's an assault on Christianity. It's assault on our freedoms. It's assault on our liberties. Yet Islam, Islamic terrorism is censored from White House video. Where's this country headed? Well, there you have it. Next week, an economist on Monday, John Reagan. Tuesday, Stan Dale. Yeah, Tuesday, Stan Dale. Open lines. Open lines. Thursday, Bill Salas, Steve Quill. Friday. Steve Quill on Friday. This is the Global Star Radio Network.